brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in, this on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio uh, This is Kenny Omega, we're listening to One Nation Radio Check it out guys, these guys know what's up Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me Goodbye and good night, hey Hey folks, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio I'm James Boyd here with me, I have Rosado, what's going on man? Chilling, man. Just ready for the 2022 One Nation Radio Awards uh, coming to you on February 26th, 2023. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be a good night. Um, I'm, I'm sipping on some wine since it is a festive, joyous occasion with, you know, we're, we're giving out awards tonight. So I figured, you know, I'd, uh, you know, loosen up a little bit. I got a lot of funny stuff to say. And it is a weekend of awards, apparently, because, you know, the day of awards dropped a couple days ago, too. Well, you know, it's always like a war season around this time because, like, you know, you a Laker fan, you know what, like, what has to happen in LA around early February, like the second week of February, ah, like the road the trip center slash the uh, you're right, like the Grammys road trip that always happens. So, like, when we would do this, we'd always like, all right, we know Meltzer's always dropping like in the middle of February, so like we need to do ours like a week before, kind of you know, put it there. So it's always like the Grammys. And then, like, uh, at that point on, you have, like, the, the Oscars in February. You also have, uh, for wrestling, Observer Wars. So, like, we always try to undercut Meltzer by a week. And then, like, we kept, you know, slacking off. I never got my votes in for this, but it didn't matter because none of my votes would have changed anything except for maybe one thing. Uh, and then, um, and then like, you know, you had your trip and everything. And then, like, we end up. You know, it took a lot a while for you to count all the votes. You always count the votes by yourself. I and this and, year uh, actually I, I ended up shaving a little bit of time because I figured out something in sheets to where um all I had to do was get the right numbers in and then I could have that shit added up for me. So uh cut okay. down probably at least forty five minutes this year, which I was very pleased about. Okay. Okay. So like here we are. Um so like this time we're fi- this time we're, we're last, but you know, uh, it's gonna be fun, it, like especially like after the aftermath of what always comes every time PWI 500 comes out. Oh, anytime yeah. Women's 150 comes out. Anytime, like 
the Observer War comes out, people get upset and been out of shape about stuff they did not watch, so therefore it has to be somehow inferior or whatever else. And like, instead of it just has being to be like, rigged, hey, it has to be cheated, it has right. to be paid for. As opposed to like me and you, when we found out, when we watched WWE and we saw some of these Observer Awards, when we, when we first started listening to uh, Observer, we were like, huh, that's interesting. And then we watched Russell, Russell Kingdom 9, and then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, if you don't, it, it, I kind of find it's, 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 it's going to sound very pretentious. I don't care. It's fine. It's snobbish. I, I, I get it. I'm with you. It is. I don't care. I'm going to stop at this point, right? Um, and I don't, I don't take any pride in it, but, like, there's a lot of wrestling out there, a lot of quality wrestling out there, and if you're only watching one or two things, you're not watching all of it. And even, even if you try to watch all of it, you couldn't. There's too much stuff in the, in the day for anyone to watch. But but if you can get enough recommendations from people that, that watch stuff that you don't watch, it can lead you towards seeing some really cool stuff around the world every single year. Yep. And, like, that's the path that me and you chose. But, like, when I see people that, like, we talk to that were in the same, like, I don't say bubble, but, like, in the WWE-only kind of section that we were, they might see stuff and absolutely agree that, like, hey, this is, you know, the, some of the best stuff I've ever seen. But then, like, all right, do you want to follow up on any of that? No, not really. I want to kind of stay in, in the rivers and lakes that I'm used to. And I'm like, that's one way to handle it. But, no. like, yeah, I just it, feel like it, there's so much great stuff out there that, like, I want to see. I want to see as much of it as I can. Like, like that's why I took my ass to Japan. Like, I had, um, like, you may have seen the text message. I was like, a lot of the like the people that were said were primarily like a lot of the WWE only fans and yep. stuff like that. A lot of that, yeah. And my thing is like, all right, if you look at the way, let's say for example, AEW is just this used to be New Japan, right? Um, yep. Until and it would be like, like because AEW is getting a lot of the criticisms that New Japan got, and it was like it was like a test run for all the critic- the no stories stuff, the women stuff. Everything happened to New Japan a couple years before AEW was established, and then it fully crested now, right? Um, the level of scrutiny that AEW faces compared to WWE, who, you know, like, if WWE was good, they would dominate all these awards just off the visibility, the access, the people that are... Uh, inclined to want to watch wwe first it's the most accessible and it's the biggest promotion right Right. and i'm like well since they are like not good i I don't think we (laughs) have to cap around it um they i think it's a situation where they their fans want everything they want the they want the awards. They want them to have the most money. They want them to have all the wrestlers signed to them. They want them. They want just every piece of it, as far as like, and they don't oh, want the scrutiny or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, but it, to be fair, like because they wrap themselves because they wrap themselves in the identity of of the promotion. Like, it's not necessarily so much them like making these complaints or criticisms on behalf of the the e it's on behalf of them because they identify it's like this is this is them being rejected from a critical standpoint and it's like it's like you want you want the commercial success but you you want to rule the underground too somehow right it don't work like that and that's and that's and that's the same stuff we talk about with drake right or other rappers when they get these complaints about stuff about like i didn't want a grammy and it's like Bro, the Grammys ain't nothing like, you know, the Oscars when it comes to uh, the obscurest of stuff and the most humanistic of stuff is like is going to win over something that's, you know, w- had 150 a million in the first weekend. Like that's not that's not even the same thing. Like if you are 
if you have just a great album that sold a shit ton of records, your ass getting nominated in your category. That's 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 the end of it. Like that doesn't happen in the Oscars. Like you're not gonna have some movie that people absolutely love and say is a great movie and also be super successful if it's not if it's some sort of type of like blockbuster type of movie. It's, not, it's never gonna happen. Um, and people understand that for certain awards, right? And I've been conditioned because of the precedent, right? That's set into it. But when it comes to these wrestling awards, people lose their minds that like WWE is not going to win like the observer stuff if they don't have a great year. And it's like, that's not like, it's, that's never been the case. Like and another thing that people also have short mindset on is like, people will say there's some super anti WWE bias when it comes to these awards. And it's like, Oh, Vincent Man or Vincent Man or Triple H definitely working with Booker Deer. Oh, oh, you mean four time winner Vincent Man? Yeah, you know, you know including back three to back to back winner. Yeah, yeah, that guy. You know? Yeah, like and then you know, I was like, I don't, I didn't mention this when we were talking to what one of the people that brought this up. It was like Triple H already won Booker of the Year for for uh, Observer Awards before. I think he won. Yeah, I was gonna say I was like 2016 or 15, something like right. that. And he interrupted right. a Gato like year. Yes. So, but like they don't, they're not. They don't know. They just know what happened this year. They don't know about the history. And it's like, I, I can see why that happens, but it's like, it happens every single year. How many times will we have to kind of tell you these same things, right? And it, it gets annoying. Um, and it's not it's that like, they don't, man. like, it's like, it's not that they don't learn. It's they don't want to learn. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, it's not actually, well, it's two parts. It's them t- being able to dismiss whatever, you know, is happening outside of whatever they're watching. And two, it's also like their chance to be, I don't know, like, it's really weird to be like uh, counterculture to like critical wrestling, like high level critical wrestling, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And, and all, like, I don't think all awards are for everybody. Like, everybody's not supposed not. to win every award. Like, right. It, it, like, the, the thing I love seeing was when people were like, yo, this is a small niche thing. This doesn't represent all wrestling fans. I'm like, I don't want it to represent all wrestling fans, or else it just turns into squared circle Reddit. Like, right. it's like, I want the the people that are like these are the hardcore wrestling fans. This belongs to us. Like like this is this is what we say, right? I I, I get I get where you come from. That for me is like, look, if you're going to leave it up to a to a to find the best pro wrestling in the world, because this is an NBA where like of the top 450 basketball players in the world, at least 350 of them are all collected together. This is. This is a performance sport, right? I don't want to say performance art, whatever you want to call it. Like, this is people fake fighting and putting artistic expression on it. And it's like, this isn't about, like, the best athletes doing this. It it it, it could be, but it's not, right? So, from that perspective, that means that a lot of people that from a, are, should be able to do this from all around the world, all walks of life. So, like... There's so much of it, you can't see all of it. So, like, I, I'm going to rely on a bunch of people that are watching shit that I don't watch and also watch things that I watch to say, like, these things are being are really well done in these particular aspects. And if it's something that I miss, then, like, I'll see a name and I'll, I might want to check it out. Like, if you had told me, uh, I, I don't know if she made the list this year, uh, for most charismatic, right? Maki Ito made it last year. I don't know if she made it this year. But... Unless she was ever in AEW, you never would. People, she never makes that list. But 
I was telling you before AEW started, like, or uh, maybe before she ever got AEW, like, bro, she's one of the most charismatic wrestlers in the world. And then, lo and behold, people saw her, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty easy. Like, that, and that's not necessarily a me thing. It's like, there are tons of things out there that you are unaware of, right? Like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And people, like, you know, do the whole, how can it possibly be? And it's like, well, I mean, if you're relying on the creator of, uh, if you're relying on, the 70-something-year-old white guy um, to, to, to show you all the cool things that are out there uh, in this medium, you're just wrong. Right, and that's it. That's all you do. Like, And, yeah. and I'm not I'm saying anything. It would be the same thing if I was like, if Rossi Ogawa is the only person that can, can tell you how women's wrestling works, or or uh, Gato and, and Jado are the only people that tell you how like men's Japanese wrestling works. Like, that'd be wrong. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a case of where they... I don't know how to say it. It's like, um, I, I lost my train of thought, but I think okay. the, um, yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, a lot of copium, a lot of copium, a lot, a lot, a lot of, of people, copium, a lot yeah. of people just like, just not understanding. And yeah. how, how could it be that Tony Khan won Booker of the year? And I was like, I could tell you because this, because, Let's see. Because he, Triple H didn't get the book until July twenty second. You fucking morons. He wasn't even like name me what whatever sport MVP you watch where someone wins the MVP by playing like forty four percent of the season. Tell me the year. I, I the only thing I can think of is the baseball pitcher maybe Bill because, Walton in like nineteen seventy seven played like fifty games right that's and that still was because more than half the season. look it was fifty games and it was like a horrible year for the rest of the NBA for for right. whatever reason. Right, and the Blazers and, were and, like fifty and twelve at that time, or some shit, so, yeah. some something like that. It, 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 they had an absurd record, or some shit like that. Yeah, but that's not. Excuse me, nineteen seventy eight season. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to want to talk. Yeah. So, uh, like, I'm just thinking of it, and I'm just like, okay, so, all right, have that. You have that. Oh, I, I know what I was gonna say now. Okay, go ahead. Um, like this is the reason why I, it was so. Um, imperative i think to keep sites like cage match pure because this is these are the mediums that we use to track this stuff so when people start fucking that voting up and it just like gets real muddy as far as like when we're the people that care about determining the best of the best of this shit which i would count us among those those people like Mm -hmm. and why i'm in in good faith and like you know and and counting star ratings and and looking stuff like that because we actually kind of want to document what we feel the best of this shit is where it's not just like like where we're taking everything into account like we're looking at all the fucking promotions we can and it's like and we're, even then we're still never gonna see everything right so it's like i, I think they just want it all like <laughs> yeah like I'm, like I'm thinking like the last like i think i think i've seen like two rev pro shows in the last two years Mm-hmm. Right, like I'm not like I'm not pretending. Like I know where my holes are as far as wow, that's that's a, that's a clip. I yeah. know where my holes are. Like I know where my glaring holes are for criticism and being able to critique or judge whatever is happening, whatever region. Like, and I I just think that people are like I don't care. Like we we don't watch much Mexican wrestling, right? And and um, that's like, like that like I I hate that I saw fucking YouTube for free every right. single Friday, right? I'm subscribed to it. I see it every single time, like every Friday, like all of all the stuff 
uh, I think it's Lucha Mexico. I see CMLL stuff. I just scroll right by it and move on to the next thing. Like, you know, like I like I uh, the Battle in the Valley show was like the first time I seen Volador Jr. in like two years. <laughs> like, you know Looks that? quite different, don't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, yes, he does. Um, so yeah, I just um, it's just I just don't, I see the the discourse and then like I, it's like, are you? It, you kind of get weary of it because you see it year after year after year, and it's like I understand why you're missing this stuff, but like I still like I'm tired. It's like the same thing with like you know, like having to hold the hand of a white person to understand, to try to get them to understand race. And like, bro, I'm I'm getting weary. I'm tired of having to hold people's hands, explain to them this shit. Like I'm done. Like I'm just exhausted, and I don't want to go through it. And like at this point, I'm ready just to like just dunk on somebody. Like I, I just am. Like that's why I sent out that tweet about like, hey man, y'all want the NBA? If y'all want the MTV Video Music Awards Pro Wrestling. Like, cool. It should something like that should exist. I think that'd be cool. You, um, but like, y'all, I'm, I'm, I don't the whole hand holding shit. Like, look, man, if you if you think that like, um, I don't know what what was the best Roman Reigns match uh, last year? Probably say maybe right yeah, maybe him yeah. and Drew McIntyre maybe. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, like if you think Clash of the Castle was like. A match of your contender, like I'm sorry, I'm I'm just not I'm just, I'm just going to ignore you. I'm like, okay, it was great, but or it was really good, maybe even great, depending on it. But like, I'm not going no further than that with you. Like, I'm sorry, give me give me start like Hinduzumi. <laughs> you know <what> I'm saying? Like, <laughs> give me give me like one of them Osprey Okadas. Give me any of the like Aussie Open and Osprey stuff from AEW. Um. But yeah, like I guess, I guess it's time to get into it. Where do you want to start, man? Yeah, man. So um, awards, we don't have any awards. Yeah, we don't have any awards. We just do it. I'm pulling up uh, my ballot just so I could reference what I voted for. Um, okay. Here, I got that pulled up. So, um, so here are the 2022 One Nation Radio Awards. So uh, we have we're gonna begin with the Shawn Michaels In Ring Performer of the Year. This goes for the best in ring performer, uh, strictly stars. Um, and you know, our nominees, uh, I'll just go through our nominees and I'll go through the top three uh, vote getters. So we had Will Ospreay, John Moxley, Brian Danielson, Kazushka Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi, Shuri, and Saya Kamatani rounding it out. So we will begin with our third place finisher with 47 points, Shuri. Number two with 167 points. John Moxley and number one with a whopping 275 points, including 231 first place points. Will Ospreay, the the assassin, and man, this guy Will Ospreay, um, <laughs> he may have succeeded 2019, and you know how much we hold 2019 uh, in high reverence. This guy. Incredible G1, incredible voyages to America. He does his, his UK work as normal, and he just rolls out of bed, and he's uh, just just phenomenal. G1 finals, Wrestle Kingdom, any big event, uh, 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 Forbidden Door, he was having the match of the night, and it wasn't particularly close. Like, this guy uh, was stepping right into his prime. You know, he missed some time last year. Or the year before that with some injury, uh, bad luck. And I can't, you know, getting a whole year of this guy back was awesome because, like, I, I miss that that dude, like, doing what he does best. And 
I loved his stuff with Okada. I loved his match with Orange Cassidy. Uh, the times he would just roll up and he would have what, what some people who thought they were wrestler of the year candidates, he would have like their 10th, his 10th met or 10th or 15th best match of the year with for their best match. Um, uh, but when it comes to like being the guy in the ring, it's Will. He tied the um, Masawa record um, this past uh, year. I don't know if it was in 2022 or if it was with the uh, the Kenny match at Wrestle Kingdom, but he's he's a fucking like like he's an alien. Like yeah. a star. Like a, the man calls himself the assassin. That man's a star star rating assassin. Star rating system assassin. Yeah, it's um. He's one of the most automatic wrestlers I've ever seen. Like, for me, it's really like three guys. It's it's. I mean, in this modern era, right? Like, I, I'm not I'm not going through all of that Noah stuff to just catch Kabashi. You have to tell me. And like, when you told me, I I I, I lean towards you saying, yeah, he, he's that kind of automatic. But um, like for me, like Osprey, Okada, Omega, like. Those are, those lot are of like the three most automatic. Yeah, that's about the three. <laughs> <laughs> the three O's, nigga. Like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like it. Those are the three. Those are the three that are most automatic wrestlers I think I've ever seen in a main event big spot. Like, I, if you want to throw Ishii with there, I guess sure. But like, he, he it's not the same kind of stakes. Um, but yeah, like this year, like I mean. I mentioned it a little earlier. I don't know if you were recording at the point in time, but about, uh, the Red Pro thing, like I've watched two Red Pro shows in the last two years. Guess who's on both of them cards? <laughs> William. Big right. Bill. The original Big Bill. Big Bill. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, he's he's just phenomenal, and he had another phenomenal year. And, like, which year do you think is, is the more impressive year? Man. Uh, 2019, Osprey, or this year? So... I it, I think it like the thing that's interesting about it is because you can say both years have their own um variants. Like for example, right. 2019 he's doing the juniors and he's doing the heavyweight shit in New Japan. Now mm-hmm. this time and also he was you know doing the indie globe trot and everything. He yeah. just drops in national television this time in addition yeah. to all the great New Japan stuff, in addition to you know the indie hopping that he's doing um going everywhere you know, from GCW to Rev Pro. Um, you know what? Man, the you know, this time he got a Wrestle Kingdom main event that he did it in, G1 Final. Um, it, it feels like he was, like, more towards, like, uh, like, I don't know if people were ready to accept him as, like, the best wrestler in the world in 2019. Uh, and this was just, like, you know, with him being a true, like, top guy at this point because mm-hmm. i don't think he was necessarily that in 2019 he was just like yeah that, 2019 was would be like his his breakout year really yeah as far as like as far as like oh he actually could be a top guy yeah and 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 that had at that time was the greatest year anybody ever had at that point so um I, i'm torn between them both because you know he's got the g1 finals uh or he's got the super junior finals that year yeah. he's got both the best of super juniors and the G1 runs and matches yep. with Okada that year. Uh, I believe, I think he did that year. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember here, but I think they were in the same block. Yeah. Okay. In 19. And it was just like, yeah, they were, they were both in a block. Yeah. Cause remember that's Dallas. Okay. And man, 
I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's the beauty of this thing. Um, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with this year. It's just, it's just okay. like, you know, registers more recently here and he's doing it in the heavyweight like stuff primarily. So, uh, that, that tends to carry a little bit more weight. Uh, no pun intended, but, <laughs> um, I, I figure we talk about the uh, the second place guy, John Moxley, as well. Uh, I, I've throughout his career, I've never looked at him as as someone like, yo, uh, this is gonna be some like star system assassin, or this is a guy that's like, you know, as breaking the scales, having to match of the year type stuff. Like he, for me, he's just always like, you know, just a really solid, consistent performer. Like always in that four, four and a quarter range. Like you know, just everywhere. But I think he did a lot of like cool stuff this year too. Um, like from that match with Willie Yuta, that was like, yeah. I called it like, yo, that that shit was just incredible. And then that was like, the kick out I saw all the last year, like the the fact he did it, like with the with the world title, he had you know the, a lot of step up matches, a lot of like just carrying the promotion and just just great matches like week after week. Uh, that were like you know the stuff with Jericho, like the stuff like. Um, you know, when he was going through the, uh, the, the middle period of the summer, his matches with Danielson and it was yep. just like, yo, he's, uh, he was motivated in a way that, uh, I think AW is very fortunate <laughs> that he showed up that motivated. Especially with, you know, all the shit with CM Punk and the elite that went down. Like, I mean, I mean, given the year that Jericho had, they could have, you know, put it on, they could have, you know, relied on Jericho, but they were like. Let's go. Let's go with, with Moxley and like he, you know, he had a hell of a year and like you know, I, I think, I forgot what year, I forgot what week it was, but it may it was in the summer and I was like, look, don't 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 like don't fucking kid yourselves. That dude's the wrestler of the year. Um, as far as like from an MVP perspective and you know you know what was what he was up against and what the promotion was up against on TV with like the, that kind of responsibility having that level of star power off TV like with, without injury. You know what I'm saying? Like that that was. That was that was a, like real special shit and like and he won the uh, Flair Thez as well. Yes, yes. Um, two and three years. Like that's a, that that is a observer Hall of Famer. That's an observer Hall of Famer. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see the little percentage look like uh, come next uh, next. Um, it's gonna start looking real stupid if people it's don't vote him in September around, around September something like that. Like he joins a, a list of people that have won. That are like uh, that are that are two time winners, and the list is like a uh, easy like class of like people like Kento Kobashi, Chris Jericho, uh, Mr. Haru Masawa, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, Kenny Omega. Like these are all the people that are on the two time list. Has Okada even won it twice? I don't think Okada's even won it twice. Right. Um, and and it's like a list of like eight guys: Ric Flair, shit like that, uh, Stone yeah. Steve Austin, and. He's on that list, so it's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be. He's the only one that's multiple times. He's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, like like I said, I don't know if he will go in immediately next year, just based on how the voting games yeah, are played. Yeah, yeah. But he's essentially, uh, he's ensured his his eventual induction. I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you mentioned a lot of stuff. Like you forgot the like the match that he had with Osprey. Like the it was Capital Riot. Yep. Yeah, or Capital like, Collision, or Capital Collision. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Windy City Riot. Is what I'm thinking of. Oh, okay. Them. Yeah, I mixed them. Yo, it was Windy City Riot. He had also was at Capital okay. Collision, was, a four way oh, with him. Okay, so I was right, but still wrong because I mixed them. <laughs> so right. Uh, I'll, I'll, the only thing I'll bet on is that, like, you know, there were technical difficulties for that American pay per view from New Japan. Right, right, right. 
Um, third place. Yeah, so, uh, third third place. place was Shuri. Um, so Shuri like just beats out Brian Danielson and Kazushi Okada uh, for for that third place. And um, this this voting actually lined up with exactly how I voted. I voted Osprey Moxley Shuri uh, as well. And you know what else can you say about Shuri's year that we haven't like we documented Shuri's year in great detail of this past year, whether it was like deathmatch stuff, big match stuff, um, or like whatever you need out of her at the top of the card. Like she was there. Great. The best red belt title reign ever. I think that says enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there's also stuff that like, I don't think you even saw like, you know, her, um, the match, like on the Hannah Memorial with, uh, with Oscar Vinny, like mm-hmm. that, she, she was just amazing. And, um, you know, like much like you, like you said, like, She's not a champion anymore, but like, don't let, don't take your foot off the gas on, you know, keeping her at a certain, a certain level. Cause like, you know, and apparently they're not, cause you know, they're heading towards Yohama Arena and she's set for her and, uh, Shihiro Hashimoto. That's gonna be great. And I'm just like, it's such a great year. Um, just such a great year. Uh, so, uh, what's next? Uh, so up next, we got the WWE Women's Wrestler of the Year. So, uh, our nominees, we have six nominees here, uh, is Bianca Belair. Becky Lynch, Roxanne Perez, Liv Morgan, Bailey, and then the tag team of EO Sky and Dakota Kai. So, yeah. Um, this was a very one-sided category. So let's get into the voting here. In third place with 62 points, we have Roxanne Perez. Second place with 105 points, including zero first place points, Becky Lynch. Yep. And number one with 245 points, with 231 first place points, Bianca Belair. Okay. Did anybody get first place votes besides her? Yes. And this is, uh, so we've got, we gave three people that voted for Roxanne Perez. We got two people that voted for Liv Morgan, and I don't know why. And I and I really should go, talking, go through sorry. the voting and find out. I, I would like to know how somebody... Are these troll votes, or is like, or is this somebody that's like a live fan that like is unaware of our work that is saying, "I want to join, I want to vote in their awards" because that'd be hilarious. I want to know that person. I like to meet that person. I like to talk to that person. That's funny. It's like if you if you like answer like, "Yeah, I'll vote for her," and like, but I don't know what one the one Asia radio like does or whatever else. That's fucking hilarious. Because I'm that's sure I'm sure there are people that have voted in these awards that that just saw it get retweeted by you know oh, our yeah. listeners. That's- that's Stuff how like we that. Ended up with, that's how we ended up with 2019 starting rest of the year. Be Priestley. That's exactly how that happened. <laughs> they don't watch the way I'm starting. They just vote. Oh, I don't know their names. I don't know their names. Oh, oh, that's the one that was in AEW. They gave Britney concussion. Vote, yeah, vote her in. Vote her in. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. And then we got three votes for the the tag team of D- Dakota Kai and EO Sky. So man, they were just. I don't know what those what those people were doing, but this is so clearly Bianca Belair's award. I mean. Even Look, if you if you wasted a, a a first place vote on anybody other than uh, not wasted if you wasted a vote and didn't give it to Bianca I just have to assume you like you just have anti black resentment and that's what it is and, <laughs> I, and, I, and, I also make, and it also makes me wonder and question why the fuck are you are you voting in the One Nation Radio Awards <laughs> a podcast that is hosted by two black men <laughs> what what are you doing what is happening here <laughs> what. I'm confused. This is so clearly Bianca Belair, and it shouldn't have been close. Um, it, it should have been even a wider range. Um, she she enjoyed two third place votes, James. There were two people that that decided to vote her third place. Uh, I think that's funnier than voting someone else first. 
Um, there were she got twelve points, so that's six people that decided to vote her second on this thing. So um if you gonna hate hate all the way, either vote her first or don't vote for her at all. What are you doing? <laughs> don't come out here and try to hate on the low. Like that's the worst. That's the worst thing you do. Cause, Cause like if I if I go through these ballots, right, and I see <laughs> Liv Morgan first, and then I see Bianca act Bianca actually voted for. Like it's like no, you got to leave her all the way off. Like so yeah. you. You don't want to excuse like, hey, I just missed her on the ballot. My bad. My, right. my bad, bro. You, you at least got like, plausible deniability. If you right. do anything else, no. Like, like we, we, I damn, I should put your email on the timeline. I, I should do that. <laughs> don't do that. But I'm not going to do it. Don't do that. <laughs> but this is an offense. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know. When we were to come up with nominees for this, we were like, "Look, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, Bianca and Becky in a landslide at one and two, and then like it was you know, whoever gets in where they fit in gets the third space." Um, especially you know, no Charlotte, no uh, no Charlotte. Bailey comes in late, um, and also no um, no Mandy Charlotte for most of the year. Yeah, what you say? No Mandy Rose. No Mandy Rose. Oscar had a, a long hiatus as well. Like this was a really down year for injuries from people that were perennially at the top of AEW's uh, women's divisions. Yeah. Right. So um, up next, uh, now this award is the WWE NXT Wrestler of the Year category here. So, um, man, I made some bold predictions when we ran this this category down, and I'm like shocked. That you know, that, that, that exactly what I said would happen in my personal case. Turns out the voters stood with me on this, and man, I got some questions to ask. So, um, well, wait, do you have questions that you want answers to? Or you just have questions, and I have questions. I have I have questions to throw in the air, and then stare, and then be like, <laughs> somebody's lying here. So let's go through our nominees. Uh, up first, we got Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, The Usos, Gunther, Sheamus, Bianca Belair, Braun Breaker, and Carmelo Hayes. First, before I get to the winners, I feel like I now, in retrospect, should have nominated Sami Zayn. <laughs> but we did not. Um, so let's go through this voting here. In third place, with 87 points, fella, Sheamus. So, shouts out to Sheamus. Third place. That has to be the highest he's he's ever placed in any O&R award. Man. um, Has to be. Shout out to Sheamus. Like, Sheamus, he's he's come all the way around full circle for me. Uh, I always started liking Sheamus. Then I disliked Sheamus a great deal. And then I liked him all over again. So Yeah, same um, here. Um. I think it basically started where we were kind of like, it went from a point where it's like, okay, it's WWE. If you want to wrestle that style, you got to go somewhere else wrestling like that. You knock people's teeth out when they're stationary targets. And then, um, you know, the bar, the bar did a world of good for him. Um, and then from there, he was kind of just floating around. But, oh, uh, Rich's feed just went down. While I'm, I'm still at here. Oh, okay. But I'll be back in just a second. I tripped something up. It oh, should really? pop right back up. There we go. Okay. 
I was trying to plug my cell phone in and uh, <laughs> unplug something by accident, and now I have a yellow square in front of my face. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was like uh, it was like they out here trying to capture your identity. Fez, Fez on yeah. my oh, look on my own system. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. But yeah, like I think you know, Sheamus is actually absolutely came full circle with his career. Um, and like he stuck around and kept kept trying hard and. We are here where we are, and it's like the games came to him. Um, and he had a he had a really great year. He had a really great year. Lots of fun matches. Like one of the most fun wrestlers in in the main, on the main roster. Watching for pay per view, pay per view. Number two with ninety points, just three points over Sheamus, Bianca Belair. So Bianca puts a second place finish in Wrestler of the Year here. Um, you know, with her women's wrestler of the year trophy. Uh, so shouts out to Bianca. Love Bianca Belair. If you don't, yep. you're square. Um, or. So. Number one with 180 first place, or excuse me, 180 points, including 135 of the first place variety. A man. Who believes the ring is sacred? Gunther wins your WWE Wrestler of the Year. Yeah. Bravo. Bravo, voters. Thank you for doing y'all jabs. Now, what we care about on this show is wrestling. Yeah. And so does Walter. Um, I'm sorry, Gunter. Uh, but yeah, um, where so where did Roman finish exactly? Roman Reigns finished fourth, which means how close was he? To, how close was he getting to placing? He was twenty points behind Sheamus. Okay, so obviously it's a lot of things. If you if you're someone that that is going to come across the One Nation Radio Awards, you are probably someone that is interested in a lot of wrestling around the world uh, via the form of. In ring action first, storyline uh, driven stuff after. So I can see how that is working against Roman. Seeing that, like, by even by his own standards, he had a down year. Um, in the ring, pay per view to pay per view match. Um, like last year, like the first half of last year, smokes what he did. Uh, I'm sorry, the first half of 2021, smokes what he did in 2022. Um, 2016 year, smokes. What he did in 2022. So even by his own standards, ring to ring in pay per view, it was a down year for him. So I can see how this happened. Now you get the part timer stuff. You, look, you get the part timer yes. stuff to add in with it. You get um, some of the a lot like, of frustrating uh, finishes. A lot of frustrating finishes, bad finishes, uh, lots of run ins, and uh, I, I think you know the Gunther stuff just resonated more. And yeah. It's just like, yo, it's man. It's fake fighting, and it feels like a fight when you watch them. Yeah, that's going to resonate. I can't I can't say I'm shocked, really, from this. Um, I just have some, some questions, man. It's just like, everybody told me how great this was, James. Everybody told me, like, this is just, this is what the business is now. This is what it needs to be. This is where, you know, uh, you know, these people, you know, the yelling, the story... During the match, mm-hmm. is the template now? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, 
the first time I saw it, I'm with you. Empty arena, no one around. You were trying something new with the character. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Then we kept seeing it. Mm-hmm. Then we kept seeing it some more. Mm-hmm. And then we kept seeing it more than that. Right. And now we're seeing it now with like lesser like opponents like than Cesaro and Danielson. Yeah. And a year older Kevin Owens. Yeah. I I voted in this and my ballot said Gunther. I voted Roman Reigns second out of respect for what a lot of my friends were telling me. Mm-hmm. And then Bianca Belair. That's what that's what I would have voted if I actually had got my votes in in time, yeah. So same identical top three you you had. So by seeing this, I'm like, man, y'all respect Roman Reigns even less than me. <sighs> and, and to be fair, like, uh, like the stuff that I have seen of the Sami Zayn era of the Bloodline stuff, I actually have enjoyed what I've seen. Right? Um, I don't think there's actually like a real like um. Genuine, sat- genuinely satisfying payoff they have in mind, and I'm just like waiting for whenever they actually do pull the trigger to see how people were like, oh god. But you know, like what they're doing from week to week that I get to see, or whatever, from every every other week or whatever else, I, I have seen and I have enjoyed, and I have seen like the crowd be ca- absolutely they're captivated in the in the audience when they did like the trial of Sami Zayn and all that kind of stuff. That's legit. But this stuff has like permeated so far past what, what like traditional pro wrestling is like it is so far into the soap opera stuff that not even soap operas do this kind of stuff and like i know this because like i'm someone that grew up having to watch soap operas while my grandma was watching me while my mom was at work so like i so like i know what soap operas is like when people like when i hear brian alvarez complain about like why like when they go to cut to another scene they stay they keep the, the camera on lingering on like somebody's face for soap for like five seconds like where they get that from like soap operas from like when they play the, the drooping music as someone cuts off to go to commercial, except like they do it two to three times longer. Like I know that because like, I know what soap operas are. Um, so yeah, like I get it, but like it's too far. It, like the characters are too dumb. They're too stupid. Like Roman is the only person that's not an idiot. And like it after a certain amount of time, you're just like these people are just stupid forever. Okay, can't I can't I can't. I just can't. Um, meanwhile, but people love it. Meanwhile, so, I, Gunther, know, it is what it is. Has, has probably had the best Intercontinental Championship reign in fucking oh, wow. eight eons. Um, uh, what would it be like? Maybe I have to look back at Seth's 2018 when he got it after that WrestleMania. Yeah, like he's that comes like, to mind. like he's up there, like about to get a get a launch pad here to probably get into the main event sometime this summer. Um, he. Like regardless of what you think about the Gunther and Sheamus match, or some people think it's overrated, some people think it's it's match of the year, five stars. I believe got five from Dave. Um, mm-hmm. which you watch that stadium and it was just like, yo, this this was special. Uh, regard, I thought it was like I didn't think it was five stars, but like I thought it was a great match. Still, um, I thought it was high, I thought it was a high four and a half star match, and I guess and but like when people say it's five stars, I kind of roll my eyes, but I do sort of get it because of like atmosphere wrestling matters. That was as a great as I, atmosphere. As much, as much as I roll my eyes on that because I'm all about rewatch value, like atmosphere matters. And like that had it with that gigantic stadium. 
um, I and I quite, quite frankly think when I watch it, like I feel like the atmosphere like hurt the the echoing of the violence in the match. Where like I don't feel the chops like I would like if I was watching him and Dragonoff. But whatever, like it was still a super. It still was one of the best matches of the year. Um, I just don't think it's one of the greatest matches of all time. Um, right. But like it was still. I mean, it's for me like it's easily the best uh, WWE match I saw last year. Yeah, like uh, he had a lot of great. Ma- he had like a great series with Sheamus, whether it was on SmackDown, whether it was on the pay per view. Um, he had good match with Rey Mysterio. Uh, matches against Ricochet that was really good. That trios match. Trios match. Um, that they did. Uh, it was a good old fashioned Donnie Brook. Uh, right, right, right. That's what's called. Yeah. So like, I'm I I 100 support this. So uh, I think the voters got it right, and you know. Uh, Bianca coming in second, Sheamus coming in third, Sheamus benefits from the Gunther, um, and Bianca, you know, essentially carries her award and imports it here, uh, maybe, maybe, like, some of her reign has been, like, uh, let's say she's had a couple big matches, like the Becky matches, and outside of that, it's been, uh, I think the booking around her has failed her, kinda, I don't, I don't really think, uh, like, lack of depth in the division, lack of depth, uh, and, and I don't really think, there's uh like i don't think she has the investment like to really make her that interesting um like as far as like the uh lining up the correct opponents and mm-hmm. everything like that like they sent her out there on a you know with alexa bliss at a big four so like yeah, yeah it just wasn't there yeah but um i also like i also hear you know like i listen to uh uh justin solomon or jason solomon uh solomon monster and he was talking about it and he thinks like she could be freshened up with a hill turn um, and like her beating Oscar could be like the point, you know, everyone loves Oscar and respects Oscar. So like, that could be the thing like that does it, um, where she flips and you know, WWE, it, no matter how, no matter how great of a person you are, how likable you are, eventually they just don't want to turn your heel and they feel the need to turn your heel because they find you be, you know, man, I, I, that's not a bad idea. Cause I would, I would love to see it. I would love to see Bianca. I mean, we saw like, the NXT. I mean, we saw we, I mean, we've seen the NXT where like, it only takes but this much to turn that, that kind of, uh, character heel. It only takes but this much, and like she was very effective in NXT when she was a heel. Yeah. All right. Um. So shouts out to Gunther, uh, your 2022 One Nation Radio WWE Wrestler of the Year. Up next, your New Japan Wrestler of the Year. Um. So our nominees: Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, Tetsuya Naito, Kazusha Okada, Jay Whiteo. Shingo Takagi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Before we get started, Tanahashi scored a whopping eight points. This feels like the end of an era. Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been completely phased down. Um, he's still you know you ask him to do certain things, he still can come in and give you you know have you know a bullet or two in the chamber. But as far as um you know being the guy, even though like you look at you know you throw in a Google trend and you're still like. You sure you can't go get another run, another quick run? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just uh, they, that's what they chose with him, and that's the route they've gone with it. And like you know, I remember in two thousand, I remember in two thousand twenty, like when he got eliminated before the first, upon the final night of the, of the blocks, and I was like, I could not believe it. And like it's you know that's where it is now. Like he's just going, that's he's he's just in it, and he you know he can be a U.S. champion or. Or, or you know maybe even a king of pro wrestling or whatever else or tag team champions like maybe him and Okada could be potentially uh, later in the year. But that's um he's been phased down. He's the good old days or that start. Like he's on a, he's on the path towards uh you know uh what do they call the uh, Yuji Nagata and the Yeah, the New Japan dads. He's on the, he's on the path towards that. 
Um, so third place with 45 points going to be Shingo Takagi. Um, despite being saddled with all that King of Pro Wrestling stuff, uh, he turned it into something people were interested in. Second. Okay. We, that should have got gimmick of the year. Yeah. Shingo like Takagi, the way he was turning chicken shit, into, chicken shit into chicken salad. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, the New Japan version of the FTW belt. Um, <laughs> um, Kazushi Okada, uh, 128 points, comes in second. And number one, this is no shock. Uh, the person who won the Shawn Michaels Award, uh, 242 points, 231 of the first place variety. It's a landslide for Will Ospreay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think most people th- uh, felt that uh, all the factions in um, New Japan this year that the that the you know the most fun one to watch on existed basis was uh, United Empire, um, like that, like it, it just yeah like you you throw Osprey's year in, uh, you saw what he did in the in the Grand the Grand Prix the G one now I'm just intermixing both of them now yep. uh, but like yeah you just fantastic Russell Kingdom fantastic. Um, Naito semifinal match, fantastic. He's just a fantastic wrestler, and he had a fantastic year. And like where he had most of the most of his greatest matches were was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah, um, I don't really know what else there more is to say about him that we said uh, didn't say at the beginning. But Will was a guy. I would say, you know, when when Jay White would hold the bell for six months. And all that, and they did this, and he wasn't able to get in the country and everything. I'd be like, and this is something that, you know, it, it extends further back. The fucking guy was always Will Ospreay. Like, and, and it, it's great that he um, was able to add another great year. Of course, it, that leads him to the match with Kenny, and it's like you just hope that he gets that final launch pad and he doesn't get the oh, you're not Japanese treatment at some point because he's as good as anybody's ever been in that promotion. Um, and, you know, he's great. Like, and I, I don't think there's much else to say. Uh, Kazushi Okada, another, you know, year to throw on of, of excellence, comes yeah. in second. Yeah. Um, um, I've, where did he finish in uh, Fleth as? Second. I think, or, uh, excuse me. Uh, Okada. I th- I'm not sure. I have to look it up. All right, one of y'all in the comment section uh, hit hit us with like where Okada finished in um in Flair Fest this year. I, I feel like it was top five. Yeah. But yeah, um, great year, great year, and you know I feel like you know as as you as anybody that listened to the show during uh the G1 like as it was wrapping up like I feel like we're on a path towards like a launch pad towards legendary status uh this year with him. Like, um, and it's so funny that like almost all of it has come to, is, has, this seems to be coming to fruition. Um, like I will, I will still want my goddamn, um, Osprey, uh, pack all Atlantic matches, but you know, there's still time for that. Uh, so let's move on. Um, we got our newcomer of the year. This is the first year WWE, AEW, New Japan or stardom. So our nominees were Roosh. Kanosuke Takeshita, Roxanne Perez, Mirai, Suzu Suzuki, and Aussie Open. So, um, coming in third with 69 points, Roosh. 
Coming in second with 117 points, Aussie Open. And number one with a whopping 254 points, 222 points in a first place variety, Konosuke Takeshita. This was not close. This guy was dropped literally like an alien onto uh, the United States and the indie circuit and also an AEW. And just like, um, I remember having a conversation with a couple friends of ours who had never seen him. I was like, he can walk into any main event scene right now and be a main eventer. Before he did, he went on the run that he did um, yep. this year. He proved me correct. Every yep. time he stepped in the ring, it was it was over four stars for sure. And he was just somebody that just looked like the future. Um, that you know, and, and you know, with respect to everything he's already done in his career. Um, yep. This is a newcomer of the year, sh- strictly in the in the uh, technical technicality terms of the one nation radio yeah. awards this guy yeah. was was ready made years ago so yeah this is like this is like when 2001 ichiro suzuki won one rookie of the year it's like there ain't no fucking rookie <laughs> like, he was just like he was just one of the best baseball players in the world except he was in a different league that's it yep he's a rookie like he's, he is not rookie by definition at all or he's only rookie by technical definition uh yeah um you know we has he ex- sorry when 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 we go over like the times we were telling people, hey man, there's this dude that's coming in and he's phenomenal. Had, uh, has anybody like over exceeded like our lofty like uh, praise and hype for him? Think Takeshita? I think he's a high. I think he's he's up. There. He's up there because like like some of our friends that are like hardcore WWE fans are like cheerleaders for this guy. Like don't care that he loses all the time, right? Just like he's fucking phenomenal like and uh it's it was pretty good to uh see to catch and not disappoint us like that, but you know, I think he has such an important uh kind of role as far as like showing what uh what AEW can do with Japanese wrestlers. And yeah, him being the first one to come in seems like there's a long-term kind of arc with him. That's why I kind of stress the losses were kind of a means to an end at this point. But I think at this point, I think we're all ready to get behind this guy. And um, it's just, just every match that he had, two matches with Moxley, my favorite match that he had uh, with uh, w- with Hangman Page uh, yep, was incredible. Uh, and it was just like, these are like 12-minute matches, 17-minute matches. And it's just like, he's so big, runs the ropes. Like, he... He's like the perfect wrestler, like almost like for right. for for our time because he's got right. like he's got the fighting spirit, he's got the moves, he's got you know the rope running ability, he's got the selling, he's got the the flair for the dramatic, he's got the strikes, he's got the toughness, the the size, the everything like right, right, like he um, and it's not like he's doing anything that like somebody that's re- that's like in his make and model of build like th- like he's not doing anything obviously he's not the same size but like he's not doing anything that like drew mcintyre can't do not to say that drew mcintyre is some slash drew mcintyre you know one of the best runs i've ever seen in his weight mm-hmm. you know within you know give or take 10 or 10 pounds up or down uh but the dude is just um he's you know it's, it's an okada like quality where it's like this dude ain't doing nothing particularly special or uh particularly uh, i mean i get other than i guess neck drops or head drops. Like, he's not doing anything, like, that you just can't replicate around the world. Like, he's just wrestling really hard and very well, and he's obviously coordinated and strong and all that. And, and like, charismatic dude, as fuck. Yeah. Like, he can get you to believe in him, like, really easily. 
in, in a way that's like his charisma is different from the rest. Like you know, obviously it's AEW. Everybody has different their own version, their own uh, you know way to move people. Like we got Orange Cassidy, we got Darby Allen, we got Takeshita, and yeah, man, just a great wrestler, just a great wrestler. And um, how old is he again? Twenty-seven, I believe, maybe twenty-eight. Yeah, yeah like. If we could just keep if we could just keep his knees and neck on point, <laughs> we got 15 more years of this. Yes, yes. Um, second place was Aussie Open, of course. Um, I believe keeping the strong style term them as possibly having the greatest world tag league ever. Um, they had matches with FTR. They were doing trio stuff with Will Osprey and AEW, um, and they just kind of exploded on the map. They've been around for a long time, and. Them being in New Japan kind of really like raised their profile, of course. Just this past week, we saw them wrestle the Young Bucks on Rampage. They're going to be back on AEW next week. They were on Rampage last week in the Battle Royal. Um, you know, between Kyle Fletcher, who I think has a long-term prospect of joining, like, one of the uh, el- the elite reigns of, like, the best wrestler in the world, like, three to five years from now. He's only 24. Right. Davis is a little older, but, um, you know... As far as the tag team, I hope, like, you know, what either New Japan pro- spotlights them heavy, AEW signs them to a contract or, you know, wherever. But, um, like, as far as where they're already working, like, one of these companies need to go ahead and start pushing these guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if and when FTR comes back to AEW, like, you know, I want them to have another match. Like, I, I wasn't as into, um, that uh Royal Quest match that they had, but that that's that's a lot of that is production and, and camera work and bad miking and everything. Uh but like let's let's see that at Forbidden Door or whatever else. I would like to see them. Like they're two of the best tag teams in the world. And I, you know, like much like the Kesta. Um like to a couple people I was like, hey man, like I ain't gonna tell you like this match is everything that's in it, but like if you got a little bit of time, like I can show you a highlight real go throw on like uh Ozzy Elbin versus Velocities, um, and see, watch one of the, like, what, you know, the match, you know, just the highlight reel of it and see what we're talking about as far as, like, these are a versatile group of guys. Um, and they're one of the best tag teams in the world. And, like, I can't wait for them to FTR or whoever else to mix it up if they get to AEW. Um, and sure enough, like, them trios matches, like, I feel like them trio matches, like, I think, like, next year or, or this summer, if they do a, you know, trios from whatever else and they're back, like, I feel like, they could be over just from matches from a year ago in a long, long run. Like I really feel that for Osprey, especially, but also with Aussie Open. Yeah, um, that's right. And then third place, Roosh. Like Roosh just came in and blew away all the preconceived notions that were attached to him. Had to win a lot of people over, and he just came out there and was like, "All right, I'm just gonna really like bust my ass." And yeah. you know, for matches with Moxley and uh, a lot of just like hard chopping, intense brawls insane charisma that he's always had and um i think he's been one of the one of the bright spots as far as like imports for AEW. yes yes um one of those one of those people that like there's tons of guys in AEW. there's tons of guys that should be on tv he's one of those guys that have been on tv and has earned the right to get more like much in much in the same uh line of swerve has so like yeah i'm, I'm interested to see more roosh interested to see like where he gets in and fits in um, over time in AEW, continuing from you know the good work he's already done, no doubt. Um, so just missing, she was nine points or she was eleven points back. Suzuki placed fourth, uh, and then Mariah, and then Roxanne Perez. Yeah, um, 
I would have put Suzu, I would have put Suzu on there. Um, like I, it's um, but whatever it is, what it is. But like she, um, she was great in her role coming in and being a uh, you know, a bit of the side uh, quest for Julia this year before getting to the title in her route to going through her having to get through her to get to uh, you know, the Grand Prix victory. Um, yeah, just just uh, a great year, very impressive. You know, she's 19 or 20. I think she's 20 now, actually. Uh, she's, she's a little bit older than uh, than Azumi. But, like, yeah, just, um, like, people call her a prodigy. I ain't arguing with you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not I, like, I might not call it, but I ain't going to argue with you. Like, you know, given what she uh, given what she is able to give you, like, she's one of the – I think she even finished uh, this year. Like, she got a lot of votes for uh, for uh, best brawl and observer this year. Yeah. Yeah. Just an, just a great wrestler with, with – with, um, just – Knows all the indie tricks already at, at 20. So up next, we got the Dusty Rhodes Promo Cutter of the Year Award. So um, our nominees are MJF, John Moxley, CM Punk, Roman Reigns, Chris Jericho, Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, and Max Caster. So coming in third, 76 points, Eddie Kingston. Coming in second with 163 points, 102 of the first place variety, John Moxley. And first with 166 points, a three-point victory, 121st place points, MJF. So I remember earlier in the year um when i think it was uh nanai and uh kairi had a tag match and i think they faced lady c and uh kamatani and uh nanai uh you know put away lady c and in the back like there was a picture of like kamatani consoling lady c and i remember you took a picture of it or you took that picture and you put up like we shall overcome like we will we will eventually overcome this and, and uh and rise up from this right like this is three years in a row, I believe, where John Moxley has finished second. Uh, Indeed, like, and he keeps inching closer and closer and closer. John Moxley will rise up in 2023. It's, he's <laughs> going to win this year, goddamn! I don't give a damn what it takes. I, I feel like, look, I didn't. I, um, aside from uh, the promo on his way to winning the title in the summer. Uh, I I thought that if I thought that I didn't think he really had anything that stood out as far as like he has to win like MJF makes sense to me Moxie makes sense I, like I have less of a gripe for this than uh, pre the prior years so so yeah but um, yeah MJF <laughs> um, perfect choice but I just like damn man this dude keeps doing this incredible like stuff and he still can't win I thought he had the best promo I heard all year last year and he still can't win. Yeah, this one was, I, I think it was going to be MJF's. So I was shocked Moxley got this close. Um, to tell you the truth, like, between, like, just that, the attention that MJF captured, like, with whether the work shoot stuff, the stuff with CM Punk, uh, that, you know, a lot of his promos, uh, in the first half of the year were a lot better for me than some of his second half of the year stuff after he won the championship, um, which ranged from compelling to very low, uh, quality, I would say, but uh, I just think the way that he kind of became this force of nature with that work shoot promo, I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but it turned him into like this supernova, essentially, and that was fresh off the stuff he did with Wardlow, 
before that, fresh off the CM Punk stuff, uh, I think he was just like up until that LA thing, he was just his model of consistency where it was just fucking excellent. And then mm-hmm. after that, it you know he took summer off, and then it was mixed results going back and forth. But he just yeah. exhibited such crowd control, and um, it was just like, yeah, I, I just thought he was the best on, on the stick. I, I voted him first, then I voted Moxley, and then I voted for CM Punk third. Yeah, um, I, 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 how far off did CM Punk uh, get from finishing for placing anyway? CM Punk was two points behind Eddie Kingston, and he was yeah. fourth. And that speaks to how like incredible Punk was um, while he was still there, and also with the injury and everything. That like, you know, if just imagine if like Punk came back, didn't have the foot thing, didn't cut that stupid fucking press conference thing, and like you get the MJF um, takes the title off CM Punk, like build up to that, like he would have been on this thing easily. He may have fucking won it. So yeah, unfortunate, sad. Like all things involved in the CM Punk thing, sad, just like just depressing. I voted for for the dude anyway at, at that point, but it's like, yo, there was just so I he had much. A year that, than, I, I think he had a stronger year still at the top end than uh than Kingston because Kingston got you know he he got a kind of like left focus um in the middle of the year yeah like after the Jericho thing he le- he lost focus yeah um, or they lost focus on him is a better way to say that sorry like there's a lot of things you can bang on CM Punk for I, I don't think his promos are one of them so no, no, <laughs> um. So, Roman Reigns with four points on this. Um, last place by a mile on this. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Rich, I yeah. forgot. I forgot. I, you know, uh, since we since we also are talking about... Um, <laughs> uh, like, we're also talking about also Observer stuff. Um, again, I see uh, MJF finished first in this one. In the Observer. Moxie finished second. CM Punk finished third. Sami Zayn finished fourth. Eddie Kings finished fifth. I'm just gonna Roman Reigns finished ninth, right? So let's move let's move on to um honorable mention, right? So nowhere on here do I see Edge for honorable mention or the top ten. But you know who also but you know who made uh, honorable mention for the second year in a row that doesn't speak fucking English? Tam Nakano again is finished honorable mention for best on interviews. But I got it. But I was gonna hear about Edge and his promos. You gonna get the fuck out my face, man? You are a tag wrestler now, man. No disrespect. You you try really hard. You have some cool things. Your body can't hold up. You lay on the floor. You're a tag wrestler now. It is what it is. So bring what Beth next? back, bring Christian back, whoever else. But you got a tag now. Oh man. You know you you heard about the WrestleMania plans for him? Isn't he supposed to fight Finn Balor in like a Hell in a Cell match or some shit? Yeah. Some more laying around. Man, it's going to be a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of... You know, laying on, look, the, on the ground. Look, bro. That that, that old gilly the kid. Get down on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> look, man, you're going to see a lot of grit in that cell, bitch. <laughs> you know, grit. Trying to get to your own damn feet. Laying on the ground, laying on the ground like a common whore. Grit, <laughs> get up and fight, bitch. <laughs> Damn, I, I didn't know we were doing the edge side swipes. Oh my god! Look, man, he got it last year and can keep the tradition. Tam made it, he didn't again. Oh my god! <sighs> up next, we have the AEW Wrestler of the Year. 
our, our nominees, John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, MJF, Hangman Page, FTR, and Death Triangle. So coming in third place with 78 points, the Cowboy, Hangman Page. In second place, a man with 94 points that you could not count out under any circumstances that I came on this shit one year ago in February and cut a legendary, uh, you know, video promo that was, that had more than 8,000 views on Twitter. Just constantly sent it out through the year. They thought it was done. They thought it was finished. Chris Jericho. Shout out to Chris Jericho. But number one with 257 points, 243 points, the most dominant first place voting in this entire awards, I believe. Wow. John Moxley. Yeah. Yeah. Um look, I thought I thought he had, you know, wrestler of the year worldwide, you know, MVP from a MVP perspective locked up by the summer. So it, it, obviously this is just a promotional award. So yeah, that's how, that's what I thought of him. Um, I would have voted probably Jericho second and, um, the elite's on there, right? No, I, I didn't vote. I didn't nominate the elite. Okay. Uh, I had to think about what else would be third, but yeah. I, um, I, vo- that- I, I voted Jericho or excuse me, uh, Moxley Jericho, then Hangman, just like it, it came out. Yeah, Hangman, Hangman's good. Like, if the least not on there because of what they had in that, that closing stretch, then sure, yeah. Uh, how would it go on Hangman? And, you know, Hangman, uh, I I think this hurts him as far as, like, the, the race of the whole thing of, like, the, the you know, it happened so early. But, like, the first the first third of the year, he was incredible. Like, I, I don't know if people remember that or anything like that. But, like, every time it was time for a big match, it was, like, it was lights out. And right. I, and he was just like, you know, for me, like w- what I was looking for, w- what they gave him, like he just, like he's my favorite baby face of wrestling right now, and I think he's just, uh, you know, uh, he 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 dealt with like a lot of like kind of shit throughout the year, like you know, mm-hmm. a lot of personal stuff out the ring that that affected the the uh, his use in the ring, and um, you know, we don't know these dudes or anything like that but it was just like you know from afar it just looked like he was getting his legs cut out from underneath him uh and he was just wrestling above like all right you ain't gonna let me you know talk on this show you ain't gonna let me do whatever i'm just gonna prove it every time i get in the ring and he was a prove it ass motherfucker in 2022 yeah um cm punk finishing last with 20 points um, there was nothing else really close. Everything like the the top three vote getters were all around the top, and everybody else kind of circled to gr- circled to drain. Um, okay. so um, from there we got the AW Women's Wrestler of the Year. We got six nominees. Uh, we got Tony Storm, Thunder Rosa, Jamie Hader, Britt Baker, Jade Cargill, and Hikaru Shida. So, so you have to remind me when was the Jamie Hikaru Shida match? Jamie and Hikaru Shida was the end of 2022, like the okay. so that's, that, in Denver, I believe, right for okay. the buzzer. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, let's get give it to us. Uh, yes, yeah. three. So third place with 88 points, Hikaru Shida. 
<laughs> uh, and, Isn't that, that's basically like she got off one match. Uh, no, no, because because remember earlier in the year she had the, the series with um with uh Deeb. Serena Deeb. Um, and then, you know, she, she did miss a lot of time, but that series with Deep was pretty strong. Uh, and then the, the title challenge at the end, um, J- or, uh, second, um, <laughs> is with 150 points, Tony Storm. Uh, people really liked her, uh, reign in the, in the fallout of Thunder Rizzo losing the title and her winning it. She's kind of being this every week presence, but number one with 249 points, 183 first place points. Jamie Hader. So everyone's a hater here. Um, this is well deserved, I think. Um, uh, she, you know, just steadily built momentum throughout the year. And from there, they, they crested it with the championship win, I think, at the right time. And she's just like kind of went on to have great matches against, uh, it was like Emmy Sakura, uh, Carl Shida. And the match she won the belt in against Tony Storm. The Riho match. Don't get that Riho match early in the year. Early like, in the year. Yeah. Yeah. Early in the year, and it was like she just has something. People, people are into her, and she's our AEW Women's Wrestler of the Year. Yeah, um, she's who I would have voted for. Um, and arguably, arguably, she's the best woman in North America. Uh, well, okay, so what do we do with Mercedes now that like she's in New Japan, but she but she wrestled in California? Is that you can you say she's Japanese wrestler now? Like I, I mean, Japanese region for the for. for I mean, now? in, in two thousand twenty-two, that's yeah, that's what I'm talking okay. about. Okay, yeah, yeah that's Jamie. I think that's Jamie Hader all day. Yeah, it'd be either be her, Emmy Sakura. Yeah, given yeah. what Sakura was doing on Dark. Yeah, yeah, it'd be those two. Yeah, absolutely. Tony Storm comes in second. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, and Jade Cargo all finished with twenty-four points. <sighs> So people that's did. That's an interesting tie. Yeah, yeah. A lot of um, like the Jade universe where she does her own thing, like way the fuck over there, yeah. and then like Brit and Thunder Rosa, who are just like kind of linked at the hip here. Um, you know, Brit was a champion coming into this year, ended up dropping the belt kind of early in in the year, but Thunder Rosa's reign just did not go with people despite her having some you know good performances and yeah there was just a lot of stuff surrounding her that didn't draw people to her like it was and i was, was checking my phone like every every like couple days i was just see just people just going in on thunder rosa like it was like it was it was like it was a coordinated attack almost but whatever i don't i don't i still don't know that one I voted a third. It it would not surprise me, given who she's, uh, you know, having beef with, that like there was some coordinated effort to 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 knock her down. Maybe not not saying that there's that on Brit like Brit orchestrated, but like the people around Brit. That would not surprise me. Like if you out here would like the you know, if you out here rocking your Ben Rosberger jersey and you out here doing um and you out here you know, like. Talking about Amber Heard, I, I I have some questions about 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 the doctor. I really do. Outside of outside of cavities and in feelings, I have I, some real. I have some I don't real, know, man. I have some real questions about her outside of outside of that. It's, it's, it's weird, man. It's like, very weird. You know, like it's very weird. I, I wonder. There's the. I'll leave that for for off the air. Um, but Jamie Hader wins. Shout out to Jamie Hader. 
Up next. The Stardom Wrestler of the Year oh, Award. God. The B. Prisley Tribute uh, Award. <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's get to it. Our nominees. Shuri. Saya Kamatani. Tam Nakano. Julia. Starlight Kid. Mayu Iwatani. The tag team FWC, which consists of Kaguma and Hazuki, and Natsupoy. So, <laughs> oh my god, um, this man hates Natsupoy so much. Know. Is that a wrestler you hate more than her outside of like bald and Wyatt? It's weird, man. <laughs> I don't know. This, this person isn't out here whining every day on Twitter. This person isn't like setting setting the the genre back decades. Like this, <laughs> the world you hold against this woman is amazing. It's all kayfabe. I know. Um. So, in third place with sixty nine points, um. The 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 I think the Golden Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Golden Phoenix. Saya Kamatani. Shouts out to Saya Kamatani for placing here, white belt champion all year. I mean, up until you know the first two thirds of the year, she had argument for first. She yep. just kind of you know cooled off late. In second, lot, and some of that wasn't even her doing. In, in second place with 129 points, Julia. Yep. So. In first place with 156 points, 132 of the first place variety, Shuri. Yeah. Um, uh, I think she finished, uh, what, top five? Or, or No, she finished uh, Flair Thez this year. Yeah. Um, I forgot where she finished. Uh, I don't know if I was interested in the wrong thing. So, um, yeah. She finished fifth for Flair Thez this year. Um, I think she finished seventh for most outstanding um, women's MVP. She finished first. Um, you know, um, PWI women's one uh, women's uh, one hundred and fifty finished first. Dominant year, dominant year. One of the greatest uh, years of recent memory by a woman. Yeah, uh, everything extends uh, to her promotion. Obviously, I, I think that's not even a question. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna just get right to hating. So Natsboy had a whopping eleven points. So um, you know, there was somebody that decided to give her a first place point. Uh I don't know if they were trolling me specifically, but um they did that. Uh Julia came uh with 129 points. I think she had for for as much as she achieved at the end of the year, when you pull her entire year up, I think she might have been slightly underrated. Think so. Yeah. Like her year is fucking phenomenal on paper. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's why she finished second. Yeah, uh, it, it was just like th- this mountain of Shuri that you just can't like just throw out the way. I it was feel just like. that Shuri was going to get like you know every basically every two fucking weeks. She was going to get she, everything Utami got the previous year for having the red belt essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was um like. They they particularly loaded uh, like the block for uh, that Julie was in for her to go out there and have an incredible Grand Prix run and I think the top five or six you know average star rating you know and in that Grand Prix were all from the same block 
she took advantage of that. Like she she went out there with great wrestlers and she had great matches and she had the whole you know chase to the top with uh to the Grand Prix with Tam. Um you had the turn uh you know you had the uh the faction versus faction match and like the whole build you know, even you know, some of the stuff like in Starting Showcase, like they let her go out there and have the hardcore matches with like prominence and stuff. Like she's she did very good building up um towards the title and being hidden in plain sight at times, even at the beginning of the year when she was like, she went on that losing streak or, or even Donald Omada went on a losing streak. And like, you know, it was G1 season, G1 season. I'm doing it back the other way. But now it's Grand Prix season and she just took the switch. Like she was incredible uh, in the last four months of the year. Incredible. Um. Yeah, man. So Sai Kamatani ended up finishing third. As we mentioned, like she had an uh, awesome year uh, kind of leading up to the end of the year, uh, her white belt reign was, I would say, pretty memorable. She yeah. still got that thing. She's heading into a match with Hazuki, a very dangerous opponent uh, for the reign, yeah. I'd say. And yeah, um, first person that you actually you feel like can beat her like since before the Grand Prix. Yeah, she, um, you know, she, she took a large like uh, kind of step forward like as a wrestler, kind of like cementing like what could be her future i'd say mm-hmm. um really love like you know a lot of stuff that she gave us uh throughout the year but um, yeah same Lo- love the starlight kid match i think it's overrated but loved it um and quite frankly i, I like their grand prix match more um the mariah match was great love that match um, loved the you know the second or the, her defense against Tam in um in March where you know the hurricane run off the top off the fucking top rope to the floor, um yeah she she had bangers uh loved the Mina match until you know she you know kicked her kicked Mina's teeth out, um yeah like she was tasked a lot of a lot of things and like I feel like that that's one of the, that might be the best white belt run uh, we ever had uh, from a consistency basis, uh but. Like I feel like she's done more enough to earn the spot where like she comes off this belt and then like we'll see in two or three years, but like she should be a Red Bull champion. So up next, uh, we've got our Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin feud of the year award. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, we have the Jericho Appreciate Society versus the Blackpool Combat Club, Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaimed, the Elite versus Death Triangle. Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins, Sheamus versus Gunther, MJF versus CM Punk, Cosmic Angels versus Donna Del Mondo, and Kazushi Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. So, coming in third place with 93 points, the Elite versus Death Triangle. Makes sense. <laughs> coming in uh, second place, and they kind of speed ran that shit at the end of the year. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, coming, Fresh mind. Right. Com- coming uh, in second with 106 points, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. That's interesting. And hmm. then, number one with 175 points, 135 points of the first place variety, MJF versus CM Punk. Yeah. I believe they won Feud of the Year in The Observer. No, no, they didn't. It was FTR. They Universal. almost did. Yeah. They almost did. Yeah, so um, we don't have Ring of Honor as a promotion that we covered. It was kind of a zombie promotion, so that's why FTR versus Briscoes was not nominated here. Um, but MJF versus CM Punk, as far as the winner, kind of feels like an incomplete few. But I think what they did give us was very worthy, especially uh, you know week to week with the promos, and uh, I don't think the matches achieved at the level that 
I am looking for, but I think a lot of people really like that dog collar match, uh, even more than James and I did. Um, and just like their promos, like were just so captivating. I'd say like people were like really yeah. into it. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the work was done for this, uh, in 2021 cause it started in November, but it just kept going and it was, it was compelling television and, um, you know, they had two matches and I didn't love these matches, but everybody, but so many people did, you know, so I, I, I get it. Like, um, it wasn't necessarily what my, I was looking for in the ring, but as far as, you know, on the mic, it absolutely was. So, yeah, um, I, I, I that's what I would have voted for, for, for a few of the year. Uh, Swerving our glory versus the acclaimed. They uh, had three matches. Uh, of course, they had a really hot match at AW All Out, uh, match of the year kind of uh, candidate, I'd say. And um, the uh, follow-ups at uh, Arthur Ashe Stadium, as well as AEW All Out, uh, just kind of a really kind of simple uh, feud of uh, kind of like a coming of age for the acclaimed. Swerving our glory, kind of pulling them up to their level. They had an incredible match. Uh, that first match they did. And I, I think that was just a um, it was a real moment for Swerve as a wrestler, like just being the the MVP of that match, and um, the acclaim just kind of really putting together all the work that had been put into them uh, previously, and then like kind of proving it against uh, Swerve and Our Glory with their help and going on. And I think this really like we're we're gonna see later in the awards, like this really like helped the acclaim kind of re- legitimize themselves. Yeah, um, I still feel maybe it's because of how long it's taken to get here with like the singles uh, feud or whatever. Else, but like, I feel like we were shortchanged on like a, a longer run from Swerve Not Glory. But it is what it is. Um, you got somebody as hot as the acclaimed, and it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, um, that first match was was shockingly good. Was shockingly great. Like I, you know. I, I wasn't as high. I don't think it was a match contender thing, but like, I think I gave it four and a half. But like, I was shocked that they had a four and a half star match. And look, look, you know how high in regard I have Swerve, how, how, you know, same for Keith Lee. And you know, I, I thought that Bones is a really good wrestler. I just thought that like, I just, it was, I wasn't expecting that. I just wasn't. And like, you know, it was great. And obviously the, the, the prior match or the, uh, the falling matches weren't to that level. But like that was like a moment in time type of thing. That first match, yeah. Um, like that's like one of those like you know all best of AEW type of matches as far as the crowd reaction to it and everything. Like it it did every it did press all the buttons it was it was supposed to to unlock that kind of reaction. Um, so yeah, special match. Uh, Death Triangle and the Elite, of course, they had like most of their best of seven series kind of in the month of uh, December or between November and December. Um, you'll never see anything like this. I think again. On American television, um, they had uh, j- just incredible, incredible matches from the pay-per-view to being in Chicago, the Falls Count Anywhere stuff, culminating with a ladder match kind of, you know, following in 2023. But this, I, like I've always said, like, Elite versus Death Triangle was kind of defined AW for me in, in their mm-hmm. various forms. And this was just like, like, I don't know if they'll ever wrestle each other again. But like a special rivalry, I think I gave three of the. I have, not granted. I have not watched the seventh the seventh match, but I think I gave three of those six matches four <laughs> and three quarters at least, and I think I gave the first match five. Yeah. With a fuck finish at the end with a bell hammer. 
yeah, yeah, they're incredible. And obviously, you know, it's six of the best wrestlers in the world, and they, you know, they have the chemistry and the history, and you know, they had they're able to tie these things and make them different too. It was, it was um very, it was a very uh, challenging thing, and it was like fulfilling to see like the, the guys think all this kind of stuff through, um, through, you know, those six matches that I I was able to see. Uh, but I will get around to watching the seventh match. I will. Five. <laughs> <laughs> in 14 minutes <laughs> um so uh up next let's let's start having some fun here um uh, kind of you know some some signature awards i'd say um the next three uh, we're starting with the savage banks best dress ring gear award um so we've got a a, a variety of people here some people what they're wearing in the ring some people what they wear on the way to the ring a lot of stuff. So, uh, we got the Young Bucks. We got Swerve Strickland, Ricky Starks, Satnam Singh, Jade Cargill, Tony Storm, Utami Hayashishta, and Julia. Now, when I was counting these votes, I was monitoring them, uh, and it looked like it was headed one way for most of the voting. And then at the end, it swung to someone else. So let's get to the winners. Uh, so coming in third with 84 points, my homeboy, Swerve Strickland. So shouts out to Swerve. Uh, bust out the Jeff Hamilton jackets, the various pay-per-view gear that we come up with, the New York Knicks stuff, uh, color weight he did when they were in New York. Uh, there was a really cool thing he did at the end of the year. It was like gray and black. Um, second with 120 points, Julia. So, um, and then first place with 127 points, a seven point victory with 75 first place points, Jade Cargill. Mm, interesting. So, I mean, this was a Jade Cargill versus Julia battle to the wire, the end, um, in the past, I, I would have like put someone like Britt Baker on this just because of like the consistency of the shininess of like the 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 dope shit. And I think Britt had dope shit. I may have like, um, I may have. It's a lot like the Cody stuff, where like it's more of the same template. It's just different colorways. I may have I, I may have made a mistake by not nominating her, but I think Jade kind of carried what she would have done and jade just like between some of the cosplay stuff she did her regular templates of gear Mm -hmm. was just untouchable uh, as far as like ring gear i think when you look at um this year in particular in the nominees and who ended up all placing a lot of them did got their got their work done like not just in the ring with ring gear. It's also like you know going you know going to press conferences. It's also you know the backstage interviews and all that kind of stuff. And like Jay, Julia, and Swerve all all had that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, on a, on a high level uh, for you know being super fashionable. So like yeah, um, I I probably would have thrown some love at Shuri. I think Shuri makes some interesting choices um, for that that like makes her stand out from just being uh from just being a, a regular pro wrestling star. I think she like actually could like throw a hand in type of designing whatever else. I think Julia is just a beautiful person that like knows how to dress well. But it, that, just, that, just but that's half the battle. Right? A, lo- a lot of um, variety for her, I think. And I don't even know if it's necessarily her ring gear, but it's just like the risk that she would take. Too. Yeah, it's the gear and the risk that she takes like when she came out there with um 
what's what's girl's name uh, Tecla and they had bo- those hats on and like they both had the the white and then the black and then it was just like it's just some of her like she has very memorable looks I'd say there's definitely something to that yeah um but uh my man Satinum finished with 41 points uh, <laughs> Tony Storm only 22 points I thought Tony did an excellent job of coming to AEW sometimes you see people change promotions and their gear like drops off or whatever reason I don't feel like that was the case with her at all yeah. um, I, I think that um her stuff didn't drop off I just think I liked her like 2018 stuff a little more mm-hmm. um or 17, 18, stuff a little more, but like it, it's still top quality. It's just, um, I think that, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, like we mentioned, like I think a lot of people are getting their work done outside of just the gear, like actually like how they look like in front of Kramer backstage or whatever else. And I think that's kind of what separated, uh, the people that placed, uh, Utami just kind of ran back a lot of the stuff that she did. Uh, the young bucks finished fourth, uh, they they kind of did all their innovation. I'd say the year before, but just kind of came also out. Heard from, they're also heard from not missing time. Yeah. Um. The stuff they did bust out though, I really liked. Like that new like navy blue stuff that they came out with. Uh, it was like navy blue, white, and like a teal kind of color. Uh, was super hard. I think. Uh, if you want to know what I'm talking about, check out them versus FTR, which did happen on national television. Uh, in April. Um, you can check that gear out. That was in March. That was late March. I believe that was that was April. It was like it was around my birthday week, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but yeah, shouts out to Jay Cargo, our winner. She uh, just it just looks fucking amazing. Like and then like you know she looks amazing. It's just like you know she she kind of won out here. So um, up next we got the Put 'Em in a Coffin Award. <laughs> so uh, the Dan Coffin Award uh, is the. the- <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that to Dan. <laughs> the wrestler that needs to start over or completely go away. Man, Ooh. let's get yeah, to Yeah, I wonder this. who's going to win this one. Let's get to this trash. Um, <laughs> let's get to this trash. <laughs> um, we've got Dom Mysterio, uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, Ronda Rousey, Karrion Cross. Madison Rain, Bray Wyatt, Carl Anderson, and Austin Theory. Um, I did not want to put Sammy Guevara on this list, uh, and I thank you guys for not voting him to place. Uh, because despite what everything else that may have gone on with him, this guy was fucking phenomenal in the ring. And uh, shouts out to the One Nation Radio listeners for recognizing that. Look, over the summer, that man had to out-wrestle them demons. Yes. <laughs> He had to wrestle a lot of shields around him. Had to beat look, a lot of charges. Yeah. He had, you know, he acquitted himself. And I'm happy for him. Like, I, I kind of want to see this Guevara and uh, Garcia tag team get off the ground. But, you know, there's still some time with that. But, um, yeah, he acquitted himself. But, this, bro, if this if this uh, particular uh, voting has had happened in, like, let's say, April, March. Would have been bad. Would have been, been bad. real bad for him. It would have been real bad. So, um, in third place, uh, with 72 points, a man that only arrived in October, Bray Wyatt. Yeah, man. In second place with a... At what what point, like, I don't know how many times he's won it, but he's placed, like, almost every year. Like, at what point do we consider, like, naming this thing after? (laughs) In the same way that, like, Best technical wrestler should be like named like 
the the Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan slash Zack Saber Jr. best technical wrestler. Like at what point, you know, like you know, the Bruiser Brody Memorial yeah. best brawler, which should also have Ishii's name attached to it. But at what point do we start saying, hey, man, this is the Bray Wyatt put him in a coffin? Who you know, or sorry, uh, he needs to go, he needs to change or whatever the hell we named this thing like. We, we might have to start considering this. If he does it, if he plays it again next year. Yeah, we might have it. to look at it. We might have yeah. to look at it, man. Like, look, Baron, Cor- Baron Corbin ain't out here placing every single year. Hey, this was normally a Corbin thing. And then Corbin just, you know, I don't know what happened. He but fell he, down the card. He fell, he fell out, of, out of the radar. It stopped mattering as much. Right. Meanwhile... Bray Wyatt's about to wrestle Bobby last year, Brock Lesnar at fucking WrestleMania. Woo! I'm telling you, that ain't a good look because we'll remember what you did at WrestleMania all year. Bro. So. Think, I want you to think about this. Think of like the feuds that involve Bray Wyatt with black people. The only one I can think of is like New Day versus uh, New Day, <laughs> right? And that was horrible because it was a fake fucking um, uh, ultimate deletion thing. Yes. What 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 do you think is going through that through that? There is nothing good that can come mind for what to do with Bobby Lashley, bro. There's nothing good that can come from this. Like Lashley didn't really necessarily give you a lot to work with anyway. So, so it's like, all up to Bray Wyatt. So that's what's scary about it. It's like it. where did it? Where are they going to default and land on this one? So second place, a fake gang member, a fake prisoner. With 124 points, Dom Mysterio. Get him off my screen. I'll say Well, he's not on my screen anyway because I don't watch this shit, but. I'll say this. At the pay per view Eliminated Chamber, he got tons of heat and it actually helped his match. It helped the match that he was uh, with with Rhea and uh, Battle Ren. I will say that. So, like, they have figured out a way to make it useful at least. Jesus. Uh, But, yeah. But number one with 142 points, Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Bring your ass to the stage. Man, a woman that may have caused WWE, Sasha Banks, had a god-awful two title reigns um, wrestling the likes of Liv Morgan, Sonya Deville, before getting cashed in on, because of course we couldn't have her do a real job to anybody. Got cashed in by Charlotte. It, this was just somebody that was showing up, looked like she had a dollar sign drawn on her forehead, um, completing the contract, completing the dates, no type of passion for pro wrestling, no type of star presence left or aura or mainstream anything. This was just like the, just somebody taking up space. An industry plant. She didn't make her name off of wrestling. Like, she made her name off of real fighting. And then she said, I want to do the fake stuff. And she got a spot. And her first run was successful. But then it came time for her second run. And nobody wanted to see that shit. And it didn't like she want. And quite frankly, it looked like she didn't even want to be there to do it. And she broke. Did she need the money? We should start asking these questions. Because you hear about the WrestleMania rumor, like her and uh, Shayna are going to tag together. It was like, wait, she's coming back? It's like, why are you still doing this? Someone stole, someone stole your your 
world title, your your woman's world title. You, you don't care. Go, you don't care. Hey, hope she goes away. She comes back and she's refreshed and blah blah blah. That's that's, that's all this is. This is I, really I bad. Was, I thought this was a promotion that does storytelling. There's no storytelling in. She was a champion of the world. Somebody, somebody, uh, you know, underhandedly uh, took it off of her, and she doesn't want her belt back. That's not good storytelling. Um, I just she's such an avatar for I think how a lot of people look at WWE, the mainstream chasing. The no real return on the shit. Um, the weak division that she like kind of presided over. That SmackDown's women's division was worse than the Raw women's division. Yeah, it was. And that ain't nothing to write home about. Right. Because that division also had Becky Lynch gone forever in that year. So, yes. Put her in a coffin. Um yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of us kind of seen the Ronda Rousey thing coming, and this started literally from the beginning of last year. She showed up in the Royal Rumble, won the Royal Rumble, stank out WrestleMania, stank out SummerSlam, stank out Survivor Series. So, like, she's stinking it out at all these fucking, like, literally, she did the sweep of the big four. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like how do you stink out the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam? I don't know if there's been anyone in history that has done this. You gotta look through some of them like early nineties Hogan years. Good God. You have to you have to go to that. At least Maybe the crowd warrior. gave Maybe a fuck. Look, at least the crowd gave a fuck about them. That's true. <laughs> that is true. Hogan was incredibly lazy. Hogan was incredibly lazy, but he was like resting off of what he knew he'd get away with uh, and get by with while still entertaining crowds. Ron Rossi was not entertaining crowds while doing this. Do you remember the Shossi Blackheart match? Good God. <laughs> I have lied about my memory. <laughs> the oh, live match is Jesus Christ. Oh my yo, God. I, I totally forgot about that match. Oh. I might have to go back to watch it be like, yo, can I rewatch how terrible this match was? Oh my God. Oh. Uh, yeah, so Bray Wyatt didn't place, but Good for him. Actually, no, he plays. He plays third. Sorry. Um, Okay, but he plays third. But he didn't come back until like October, Rich. So that man is working with with limited. You know, that man is working with a per thirty six minutes type type of deal here. Yes, yes, yes. Like the uh, let's say like the PR through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually, you know, through the basement. Yes. Yeah. It's going the other way down. Um, and then there's Dom who finished second. Um, you know, they, wow. he was a babyface for much of this. He turned heel, and they, they squandered something with him. But I think he left quite an impression on the voters. Yeah, yeah, and like he's gonna get a WrestleMania match with Rey Mysterio Jr. I don't give a damn if it's his daddy. He gets a that Dolph Ziggler didn't get a singles match until like a, recently at WrestleMania. This man gets a match with Rey Mysterio Jr. <sighs> Look at that. These fucking nepotism babies, man. I'm telling you. So up next, a signature award in the One Nation Radio Awards. Oh, I Every year I look forward to this award and I just kind of laugh. But it is the Jeff Jarrett Finesser of the Year Award. This is an unprecedented year in the One Nation Radio Awards. Where we allowed Jeff Jarrett, that's right, J E double F J A double R 
T to compete for his own award. And in that, he faced stiff competition. I have done several segments throughout the year documenting the race for, for this award because I felt like it would be so interesting. There was there was somebody else that was just putting the pressure on, and it was just this uh, this thing I wanted to follow because I was breaking the rules for putting Double J on. So I didn't expect that he would get a battle, kind of. And even then, I feel like Jeff won this pretty handily when I look at the voting. Uh, and, yes, Jeff did win, so he did win his own award. Um, I was considering adding a name to the award, but he didn't make it that far. So let's get to to the voting. So our nominees, of course, were Jeff Jarrett, KG Muto, Carl Anderson, Bray Wyatt, Mandy Rose, Brock Lesnar, Triple H, and Rossi Ogawa. Oh, man. Finishing in third with 74 points. This is like the non-top two division. Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson found a way to win championships around the world, go back to WWE, continue making great friends, continue to not drop his title when people thought he would drop it and get additional paydays out of New Japan, including a Wrestle Kingdom match. Incredible work. By Carl Anderson, incredible, terrible work. I have the misfortune of saying that I saw Carl Anderson in person. When? At Russell Kingdom. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I saw, earlier in the card, I saw FTR lose to Bishamon. Right, Bishamon. And that Tokyo Dome crowd clapped as FTR were going up into the dugout in, in appreciation of they recognize this is one of the best tag teams of worldwide and just had a great match with you know with Bishimon. And then later in the show you get Tama Tonga and Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson, a former finalist in the G1 2012. Right. Loses match, goes to the dugout and nobody's nobody saying it. You know, original Bullet Club member, right? Everyone knows his last man. Founding he father. Walks that, he walks to the dugout. Nobody's clapping at all. And and at the last step before he goes down the steps in the dugout, he suck a fist up like this is this is Swan Song. Nobody clapped or cheered. It was like, <laughs> bro, just get the fuck on. That lets you know the kind of finesse job this was. Look, I know Rock. That's his. I know that's Rocky's homeboy. Got to be. Otherwise, why is this even happening? But yeah, man, just just a huge finesse job. Huge finesse job. Well, it comes down to the battle. So got to the dome and was lazy. Comes you know, down. I'm saving for the big shows. Like the. I'm saving for the big shows. This ain't no big show, bitch. <laughs> this is not Paul White. No. <laughs> <laughs> So, this is the battle. It's KG Muto versus Jeff Jarrett. And man, I think before I announce the winner, we should applaud both these gentlemen for the amount of money they were able to facilitate from the wrestling business uh, at their advanced ages, at uh, the way they were able to get hired, remain relevant, book shows, 
work with various promotions because, bro, this was like ridiculous. This is a mirror year for both of these guys. Like, yeah, if, if there would have been a photo of them uh, shaking hands or something, <laughs> uh, the world would have exploded. Uh, the past, you know, and there is a photo of them that does exist. Uh, I was like, this got to be long time like ago. Ninety nine NWO or, or long time ago. WCW some shit like that. At, at, at some, gotta be. At some like WrestleCon event a long time ago or something like that. Okay. But Jeff Jarrett had not entered AEW when Keiji Muto appeared there. Like they could not be in the same place at the same time. It just would not <laughs> not be right. So too what, much negative energies in the in the building. Oh man. The the finesse, the 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 swift uh business like moves. Uh in second place with eighty one points, Keiji Muto or excuse me, with 164 points, KG Muto, 81 first place points, but number one with 203 points, 132 first place points. The man defends his own award. It defends basically from getting KG Muto added to the award. Jeff Jarrett wins his own award in a landmark moment in One Nation Radio history. The funniest part about this is like. <laughs> Muto just had a dome show that had 30,000 people at it. Yeah. 31,000 people at it for his fucking retirement. And he might not fucking retire. He already had another match after his see, supposedly see, final match. See, see? So he's gonna win. So he better win the next fucking year. But, but yeah, man, like, at least what Muto was like, he's a fucking draw. Do I need to, do I need to get the Eddie Graham clip for y'all? Or not Eddie Graham, but a, uh, Mike Graham clip for y'all? Never. Broke a thousand guitars, never threw a fucking dime. That keeps getting spots. This man was in Ric Flair's last match. Yes. He's in Ric Flair's last match. He was in GCW. He was in WWE with with an office job. He was in GCW to do a job. Yes. Beat him and left. Amazing. Um... The the WWE referee stuff at SummerSlam. The office job at WWE. Uh... The Riffler's last match. The getting hired to AEW. Uh, Convincing Tony Khan to put him on television every other week as a fucking wrestler still in 2022 into 23. The office job in AEW that he has that is just amazing. Uh, the, uh, he appeared in the NWA, I believe, as a referee. Uh, he basically uh, he went to AAA earlier this he year. Did. He did. a bunch of racist shit, yes. Like... This man heard he I'm convinced that he heard he was on the ballot. He was defending his good name and decided I'm just gonna finesse at a level I ain't never done it before. Um incredible, incredible for the history of the Jeff Jarrett Finesse of the Year. The first time we put him on the ballot, I broke the rules. We don't we normally don't do this. And this man won his own award. Yeah. Incredible. Um uh, Keiji Muto, when you talk about someone being out for themselves, someone just figuring it out from, you know, maneuvering for wherever he can get it, this man was able to show up in AEW. This man was able to convince WWE to send him wrestlers, AEW to send him wrestlers. To give up championships without being beat for him, to barely put 
Kaito Kiyomiya over and just like walk off on him with no type of cosign or anything. Yeah. Appeared on the historic crossover. Yes. He, you know, Kaito Kiyomiya essentially has to play Muto. Essentially, uh, everything that Hulk Hogan was in the 90s, this man was a pro wrestling Noah in this whole thing. And it was like even more successful because like Muto was actually his draw. Yeah. Um, he just was not able to put enough to, together to to knock off Double J here. And obviously, you know, it's the how do people know about how much stuff is going on with, with Muto compared to Jeff Jarrett? He, he finished second, which is like it says a lot. That, that's an that's an achievement in in itself. Yeah. Right. And also has to do with us talking about Muto and Noah and the whole situation with New Japan as well over over the last uh, let's say. You know, let's say last year uh, that we when we covered it, it's like, yo, this thing is amazing. And like, think about it. The only reason Muto was able to get on here because he fucking showed up at, at Grand Slam. <laughs> That's the reason I even put him on this thing because he showed up at AEW for no fucking reason whatsoever. Oh, it was a reason, all right. Well, well I, you know what I meant. But yeah, sure, that wasn't me. So I do a favor for you. I need you to do a favor for me. I need you to bring Sting and the and, and the young boy over here. Let's get it. You know, you need to put a belt on him and you need to send him to me. Incredible. Oh uh, I love this award. It's, it's comedy every year. Yes, it is. <sighs> okay, up next. The Die Rocky Die Who Booked This Shit Failure of the Year Award. Man, I can't wait for this next year. Up next, <laughs> Sami Zayn gets beaten. <laughs> That's definitely a fucking contender. I'll write it in right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <sighs> okay, Carl Anderson, never open weight champion. Ring of Honor on AEW. Austin Theory's Money in the Bank reign. Ooh. Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky's TNT Championship feud. Triple H's WWE rehires. Ronda Rousey's return. Soraya versus Britt Baker and Liv Morgan's SmackDown Championship reign. Ooh. Now, the top three were all there was a tie for the top two with the same amount of points, and we broke the tie by going to second place votes. Because they finished tied in first place votes. Um, they were only seven points over the third place person, which I guess I'll name here. Um, 91 points in third place. Sammy Guevara and Scorpio Sky's TNT title feud, which just didn't work out for either of these guys. Yeah. You would think like they how would be able to. Is, uh, how injured is Scott? We haven't seen him since. We basically. haven't seen him since he dropped the belt to Wardlow. And I think it was a right. knee injury. I don't know if okay. it was an ACL I don't know, but he did. I know he had surgery and all that, but uh, it's been a long time. He should be appearing, you know, or ready to come back at, at some point. Um, but let's. You know what's funny? Because you just talked about someone that was missing. We were talking about someone that made me think of Santana. And I remember me and you were like, hey, man, like Santana and Ortiz, yeah, they could be the, they could be like AW World Tag Champions, but like. You know, like that's high. That's high. You know, that's a high standard. And then the fucking gun, <laughs> the gun brothers have changed this shit. <laughs> and we're like, you know, I don't know anyone ever thought about. I thought about this the other day, but like, I don't think anyone's thought about this. But like, 
you think of that conversation like like last spring or the summer, like especially when like the the Kingston Jericho, Cat, um, Santana Ortiz things were all going down, and there were people were like, you know, are, is Jericho actually holding them back? And now you know, and it's like, if people are still mad about, w- were they like, believing the storyline for real? Right, right, right. But if people are still mad about that, uh, like they were then, and this happened, oh my god. Oh, 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 Look, they might have had some. They they might have had some, but they definitely would have. <sighs> Do you not see what this this fucking team and this fucking team bring to the table? <laughs> should should they have had a famous daddy? <laughs> fucking nepotism, babies, man. We'll never escape it. Um, shit, Jared just won. He just won for this of the year. What? Nepotism, baby. So, um, tied both with 98 points, but the second place would be Carl Anderson, the never open weight champion. But first place, Triple H's WWE rehires. Man. James, we both saw the memes. Yep. We, we saw. The Thanos with the fist, and then mm-hmm. the other fist, and then we mm-hmm. were waiting for the third fist third to pop fist. up behind yes. the head, but no one ever quite made that one. Uh, I can't think of a soul that he rehired that has actually contributed to anything thus far. Uh, outside of some good matches here and there from like Gargano, you're right. Like in, like Johnny comes out to crickets, right. Yes, he, he has to do. He has to do Doomsday Device, her, uh, Poison Ranas, and Hurricanes off the top of the pod to get over. Karen Cross, we know he's stunk this thing out with McIntyre. Hit Row has not succeeded. Uh, Sarah Logan has not succeeded. Uh, Bronson Reed has not succeeded. Uh, just, just tons of guys and people, just randos brought back. Uh, Emma w- w- was drug up from from the depths of Impact Wrestling hell to to, to show back up. Um, there was just a lot of like misguided hires here, and it comes down to for me like why do I think he rehired these people because they were probably like TV ready. There wasn't a lot of like uh, reconditioning needed for these people, but reconditioning. <laughs> <laughs> when you get back into the cult, right? You know this. You know they could easily <laughs> just you know assimilate, but yeah. it didn't quite work like for any of these people, right? Uh, Rich, uh, just just wanted to let you know that like Clippers versus Nuggets right now on ESPN. Uh, we're five minutes into the first quarter. The uh, Nuggets are up twenty to four on the Clippers. Yes. Well, I mean, there was twenty to six now. Twenty six now. There, there was a big comeback that happened earlier in the day, so that's just you know how niggas be scoring. So I don't know. Um, Russ looked good, you know, in the last game. So you know, minus the seven turnovers, but yeah, uh, you know. Turn the ball over his way of life. Um, Dame Lillard has 41 in the first half, Adam Yuri says. NBA basketball is some silly, unwatchable shit now. Retro Graham. <laughs> 180 points per game. <laughs> yeah, I, that, 
I, I didn't watch that game to see what the situation was, but I saw the lines. I was like, oh, everybody's playing like three, you know, playing one big and, and three and four guards or four wings or whatever else. And I was like, okay, there's a bunch of space on the floor. They made, made, made a bunch of threes. Actually, it was like the Clippers made like 26 threes, but lost because they gave 88 points in the paint. It's like, all right, man, whatever. Like, I, I get it. Like, the only way you can make West, the Westbrook thing work is if you put them around like five out or, you know, four guys that play outside. But like, if that's going to make you to where you get 88 points scored to you in the paint, then, like, Westbrook might just have to be a bitch player. Just a thought. But, you know, they'll tinker around and figure it out because Ty Lue is a good coach, but whatever. They ain't winning shit. But Triple H rehires. Um, you know, it kind of falls in line with everything else, like, yeah. of him it not really. NXT, so I was going to work on, yeah, you know, like the main roster. The not being able to really get anything rolling outside the top, you know, and that kind of just ex- like this is trickle down economics for these for these people. Yeah, you know, you know, at least like you know, they got jobs, whatever. Like that's that's some good publicity for for Triple H. Yeah, uh, a lot of these were uh, kind of fan service moves, I'd say. Um, yeah, yeah, for the NXT fans. <laughs> Look, the the Bray Wyatt, he he turned that to a complete zero after, like, you know, the initial interest that was going on. Well, did he turn into a complete zero or did Bray Wyatt turn into a complete uh, zero? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of chicken or egg with that one. You know, pick pick a side, pick a side. Uh, Uh, You know, like, people don't, like, for example, like, people should not give too much credit to Triple H because he inherited the bloodline stuff. Uh, The same way, like, I can't really, like, I can fault him for hiring Bray Wyatt, but like I can't fault him for saying like, "Hey, this shit is like gets over to a certain graphic of people," and he is over, but like it does like hurt the product to put out this kind of weird shit. Like it's a weird thing. Like it's. <laughs> I saw a vignette from him today, and I was just like, I was before. Can you tell a secret? Or can you keep a secret? Right? This yeah. Can you keep a secret? And I was just like befuddled. I was like, right. You're like, did wow, he sign back. a contract with a ski mask on? And he's right back to doing like that thing where like he comes off like he's like he's like he's back in like the, the playhouse things. So it's like, oh, he's back to like kind of being like a creepy like pedophile type of thing. Yeah, it's no bueno, man. No bueno. <laughs> but tied with that first one, Carl Anderson's never opened championship reign. This was a bad look for New Japan. This was like WWE, just big league in them. This was Carl Anderson. Like all this stuff that people were telling me was going to work out because it was going to be, he's getting heat by doing all this shit led to these reactions that James described earlier in the show. I thought they had a solid enough match. Like I think they both worked hard. They tried hard um, in the dome. But it was just too little too late. I think people would were largely checked out of the Carl Anderson thing. They just wanted the never open weight championship back in New Japan. And it was just like, why did like what did you gain out of Carl Anderson coming? It's like New Japan, are you this much of marks for WWE? Yeah, I mean, I don't get it either. Um I, I just think that like like maybe there's some type of loyalty, be like, oh, he worked here for all these years. He's treated us right. We yeah, treat him I, right. You know, we, we you know, we wanna keep a solid relationship, but it's like fuck, it's fans watching this shit. It was just like Yeah. yeah. And also nah. like it gave like WWE fans that don't really understand like what 
WWE does with like other promotions. Like it gave them this false illusion that they were going to get something cool, like something approaching like a forbidden door, or like they're going to send Okada over. And it's like, no, it's not happening. They don't even want that. As, um, they meaning like WWE's like management and brass wouldn't even want that. They wouldn't want to promote some other guy. You know, they, they're all insular. Like they, you know, so yeah, it, they're completely closed source. So yeah, um, just just a bad look all around. So up next, we had our gimmick of the year, the best vehicle to get over. So up next, I feel like I know what won. <laughs> you might be surprised. Uh, so uh, up first, we got Chris Jericho, sports entertainer, MJF, the disgruntled employee. Uh, which I <laughs> looking at the voting, I don't know if people liked how we termed that, but that's exactly what he was. This is not what the fuck it is. Um, he called his boss a fucking mark, and then 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 they cut his mic off to pretend, like yeah, th- like it's a it's a pipe bomb type of thing. Yes, uh, the acclaim. We could call we could have called CM Punk pipe bomb him being a disgruntled employee too. We probably would have back then. The acclaim scissoring, uh, Unagi Sayaka, the assessor, Sami Zayn, the honorary Us, Jake Hager likes his hat. Ren Narita, Castiori Shibata, another thing I think people were not pleased with. Uh, in Seth Rollins, bad suits, which people did not take to that one at all. Featured a whopping two third place voice points for a whopping two points in total. Uh, y'all need to stop capping like them suits wasn't bad. Okay, so our third place. Maybe it'll make him the head of Adidas. Third place with 105 points, Sami Zayn, the honorary Oos. Makes sense. Oh, so something from the bloodline placed. Something from the bloodline placed. Um, Hmm, How about that? So, second with 119 points, Chris Jericho, the sports entertainer. Okay. And number one. And number one with 230 points, a whopping 189 first place votes. James has it correct. The acclaimed scissoring. Scissor me, James. Oh, fuck. Oh, hey, don't say that shit to me. Don't you ever say that shit like that to me ever again. Put, put your twos out. No. No. I will, I will hang this bitch up. I will, I will close my fucking laptop. You stop this shit right now. <laughs> oh my god. It was so That's getting clipped. One more friends gonna find that shit and clip that. That's definitely happening. Damn it. These dudes stumbled upon this shit and it was it was like, alright. They got the rap stuff, they got the look, they got the the charisma, and this shit right here just took it over the top, combined with the matches, scissoring was a phenomenon uh, across the world of wrestling. Just, you know. Scissoring was a phenomenon. Fucking goofy. It's fucking goofy. Just amazing that this shit dominated this voting. So stupid. So sophomoric. But yeah, it worked. And they got over. And like. Number one merch sellers. I think how stupid that that fucking gimmick or the storyline was where like. Billy Gunn chooses his sons, and, and Bowen's like, "But, but, but, scissoring!" And then he kicks him. And, and when people actually were like into it, I was like, "I get it because I'm into it too." But that's absurd and stupid. 
Oh my god, man. This like pro wrestling, man. All pro wrestling is never get this. All of pro wrestling is stupid, but sometimes it's actually <laughs> heartfelt and earned and good. <laughs> While being stupid at the same time. You gotta hope that like whatever stupid thing you're watching has some of that. Instead of just being stupid and only stupid. Oh man. Um just look at all the shirts they sold. Look at the audiences. Look at the yeah. rap entrance. Like, yeah, this is people bring people bring signs uh, to, the, to the, the shows. They bring the, the thumb know, bring, or the fingers with the scissors. Finger, yeah, they people people make fucking scissor signs. People make like people cut out scissors and hold them up. Yes, this is so stupid. Unbelievable. <laughs> Absolutely gimmick of the year. Absolutely. Unbelievable. Is I'm, hell, it might be the greatest gimmick in AEW history. Is either that <laughs> or Cassidy? There's there's an argument for it. Like you hold this up. You ain't throwing the twos up. You know. You know, everybody told about we the ones. Nah, people throwing up the twos, bro. <laughs> for the oh scissors. My God. You know. Um Second place, Chris Jericho, the sports entertainer. He played this probably as good as uh, one could play it. All the verbiage, uh, the the different like spoofs that I saw just like bothered all the right people. Yes, which was amazing. And then like people that are supposed to get it not getting it. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. He he was excellent. Uh, yeah. But uh, Sami Zayn, hundred five points, third place. The honorary Oos. Uh, we we saw that you know people were just they were so in stitches about him, um, making bloodline corpse and everything yeah. like that. That seemed to be like kind of the thing that kind of just propelled him. And you know, I didn't really understand it, but you know, whatever. It's like I'll explain it to you. Get off air. Like he's very he was very very endearing. Um, I'll, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Like the cork, like his corkiness being around, like basically like that group of cold blooded killers, and ultimately like warming their heart. Like that, that that made people like him even more, right? Like if you if you're a person that just wants to like that actually is booing the heels, and you have this one guy that's actually like you know wants to be one of the cool kids hanging around like all these bad guys and actually making like the bad guys like even like uh, you know seem to enjoy his company. Like that would make you be like that is a person. Like I mean, that's a lot of the uh, you know the show I keep raving about. Uh, the Last of Us. Like the main like the main thing is like you're you're going on a journey across the country where like this guy because of what happened in his past has like done terrible things over the last twenty years to survive, and like he and he feels like you know there is like no path to redemption or there's no point other than just surviving, mm-hmm. and then like he meets this girl that's a part of the journey that like teaches and like shows him like how to like live again in a way and like that is like imagine like you're in that situation where like roman is basically like emotionally like terrorizing you and then like look how jay is at by the end of it like i i get why the, i get why like oh the honorary uso thing was such a big deal for for for, for people that watch wwe i do and then they fucking finish but you know that was this is 2023 we'll get to that in 2024 <laughs> So um let's move forward. Uh we got the WWE match of the year. Six matches nominated. Uh we have Seth Rollins versus Cody Rose at Hell in a Cell. Uh, so, hold on real quick, Rich. Yeah. So like they put 
So they got out of the first rotation of starters when Westbrook was out, and now it's only twenty-two to thirty-five. So I'll keep I'll keep you okay. on track with like the the effectively like the Russell Westbrook plus minus in this game. <laughs> like right now we're really in the fucking negative. We'll see how I get somebody in the game. Hopefully he can get this shit a negative five. So we got our WWE match of the year. Uh, we got Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes at Hell in a Cell. Uh, Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 38. Gunther versus Sheamus at Clash of the Castle. Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. Gunther versus Ricochet. Uh, SmackDown December match in the good old fashioned Donnie Brook. So three Gunther matches on this mm-hmm. thing. Um, so let's get to it. Third place. Seth Rollins versus Cody Rose, Hell in a Cell. I pop my titty match. Um, <laughs> second place, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch at WrestleMania yep. 38, 105 points. But number one, 210 points, 165. First place, Gunther versus Sheamus. Yeah, that's appropriate. Um, those are the top three I would have voted, and I would have voted in that order. Um, so, yeah. Um, even for a person that, you know, on the watch pay-per-views, I was able to identify and pick out what their three best matches were. Yeah, I I voted for the good old-fashioned Donnie Brooks second, and then I voted for Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes at Hell, uh, Hell in a Cell. Uh, I give a glowing review to that match I voted with third, but uh, that sixth man was incredible. Uh, yeah, I think people that should... Probably fourth. That probably would have been on fourth. Yeah, that was a fun-ass match. Uh, but Gunther and Sheamus, number one. I voted for, th- for that, my first one. Uh, just the atmosphere is, you know, that doesn't come along every day. Uh, I always thought these two would be, they were better than I imagined them being with each other as far as, this, you know, big brolic brawling, like the the real triple B out here. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, w- I was totally into that. And I think, like, if WWE was more like this, I don't think they would get as much resistance. Right. So let's let's like zoom back like and look at the last uh, few years. So I don't know where it finished in our um, awards in 2019, but Tyler Bate versus Volter had to have finished in the top two or three, right? Yeah, I can probably it find it. One. Um, like I would not be surprised if it won. Like only like so. Um, 2020. The best match in WWE was Walter Dragunov won. Yeah, two thousand. The best match of two thousand twenty-one uh, was obviously Walter and Dragunov two. Yeah, and now we have this. He, he's on a streak of at least three years where he's had the best match in all of WWE, and it could be four. Incredible. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they got the two thousand twenty-one also. But. I thought I said that. Yeah, 20, like 20 and 21. Yeah, 20. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, both years they got it. Yeah. yeah. Dragging off from Walter. Yeah. So, like, there's, you know, there is a big dog in WWE. It is Gunther, you know. So, <laughs> you, you find a way to, you know, he's well, at least once a year, he's going to get something on the board, essentially. Yeah. So, you know. Something that commands respect worldwide, not just something that's like, Oh, that was cool, and then a month later you forget if yeah. you're watching it. Everything around the world, yeah, yeah, he's that level of talent. Becky and Bianca at WrestleMania 38. I thought this was, uh, you know, I was looking, 
I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen at the time. I mean, I, I figured Bianca would win, but it was like this, uh, you know, looking back at it, like it was just like a perfect finishing sequence, like peaked at the just right time. Uh, I think this was, this was way better than their SummerSlam match. And it was just like, all right, you know, great entrance for Bianca. And it was a big moment uh, for a lot of people that were looking to see if Bianca would get legitimized, mm. um, you know, even though she won the WrestleMania main event or one of them uh, the year before. Yeah. Um, yeah, great match. Um, and I think that, like, going into the beginning of last year, this did a lot of goodwill for WWE as far as, like, yay, they finally told a story and stuck through with it and, and, and let it play through and actually gave it the appropriate finish um, with that match. So, yeah, uh, for me, you know, it definitely helped me, like, not want to let go of the rope of even watching WWE pay-per-views. Um so yeah, I, I, that that definitely did it for me. Like, bro, if Becky had beaten uh, Bianca at WrestleMania, we're done. We're done covering WWE at all. We're just done. Damn. Like, I don't. I don't. I don't like WrestleMania. So what? Uh, I watch it. I ain't covering. I don't talk about it. Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes, Hell in a Cell, a very safe match. Uh, in uh, if you look at like that, the reality of the situation. It was a situation where Cody Rhodes could not hurt himself any further. I think they worked a very a lot smarter match than dangerous match. Uh, yeah. Just kind of like teetering on the edge of like, oh my god, I can't believe this is going to happen. Doing a great job playing with those expectations and managing those. Um, I wish Seth Rollins didn't show up in the polka dots. I know people like were into that as far as Rollins like dressing like his opponents and stuff like that. But it was like I felt like he should have showed up kind of serious, but. It, you know, Seth Rollins is a joke. Um, I don't yeah. think that's a secret at this point. So it just kind of played into that perception. But I think Cody had the uh, kind of like the match of a lifetime in the, as, as far as in WWE, like solidifying himself as somebody that is long term that people were going to like think about going with. Um, it was his first like pay-per-view main event. And he was not going to miss that under any circumstances. And that probably led him to the WrestleMania main event. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I mean, that match did him a lot of goodwill. And people were saying that as far as, like, could this be SummerSlam with him and Roman? Um, you know, and they said, you know, they quote-unquote lucked into having that as a plan B in case Dwayne didn't show up and Dwayne did not show up. Can you imagine if they had ran that match SummerSlam and then, like, and then Clash of the Castle beat uh, Drew and then... Like they get to all this far, and then like they're like, oh yeah, we ain't got no WrestleMania. What are we gonna do? We got to dust off one of them because it ain't gonna be Sammy. They weren't yeah. gonna do Sammy at WrestleMania. They absolutely weren't. They just so, ran it back cold. They don't care. They beat them again. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Up next, uh, we got the AEW match of the year. So uh, a lot of great matches here. Um, some possible cannibalization going on, um, but. Uh, we got Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy, FTR versus the Young Bucks, Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers, Hangman Page versus Brian Nelson, two Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaimed, the Elite versus United Empire, Death Triangle versus United Empire, and the Elite versus Death Triangle One. <laughs> like Will Ospreay only had like five, ma- four or five matches promotion in three more years. Yes. <laughs> like what? That was good. What? Um, and I think it was kind of reflecting Dave's awards too. 
there were so many great matches in AEW, and it was like, this is just what we pick. Like, there were probably other matches that are probably just as good as this that just weren't reflected. Um, yeah. But let's let's get to the voting. Third place, 89 uh, points. We got Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. One at AEW All Out. Second place, we got Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy from Forbidden Door, which <laughs> electric match. And number one with 196 points, 168 first place points, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson, uh, which came, I believe, January 5th of last year. Um, yep, just yep, it was one of the same days as uh as one of the Russell Kingdom shows, yeah. Just an uh, incredible match, incredible championship match on, on free television. Just one of the best matches to ever take place on AEW Dynamite, which says a lot. And um, this was just like very cathartic. Uh, they, I think they went about like just over 30 minutes. And it was just uh, like we, we thought Heyman Page had the world kind of in front of him a- after this one. And, uh, you know, this would this is what I voted uh, as my uh, AEW match of the year. Um, second place I went Elite Death Triangle one, and then Will Osprey Orange Cassidy uh, for me. But I think this was uh, you know, there were so many great AW matches. Like I said, there there could have been like other matches you substituted, but just for you know, kind of our taste, I think these were the, the this was the list we came up with. Yeah, I I would have went with uh Elite um Death or Death Triangle Elite. Match one, but you throw it in there and you know it's going to be cannibalized with the other six matches that, that come to mind with this. Uh, but this, but um, as far as singles matches, I thought this was the best singles match in AEW this year. Um, I, w- I will later talk about this being one of my 10 favorite matches of the year um, when we go through that, uh, or, or 2022 when we go through that later after these awards. Yeah, incredible match. Um, lived up to the hype. That was, you know, made by the first match and gave you the proper finish in like, can we get a third? Oh, we did. What these days? Like, I mean, they, they, they worked in September as well. That was like four and a half, but them back. blanking on that? Yeah, the, them in that, tur- in that tournament. But, oh, um, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. That's uh, right. Every time they've ever gotten a ring has been awesome. So, <laughs> um. Second place, we have Will Osprey and Orange Cassidy. This is the best match on the best show of last year. Um, you know, all these people coming together. We were wondering why Orange Cassidy was even in this match. And then he's continued to kind of even in the fallout of this, just kind of prove his worth as a wrestler. Like there are some people arguing that saying he could be a world champion. Um, he's just like, he's was one of the most consistent wrestlers I've ever seen. Uh, kind of just this unassuming package and. Will Ospreay, we already we, we talked about the greatness of Will earlier in the show, and yep. he rolled in fresh off that build and forgetting forbidden for Forbidden Door, going through decks, doing trios uh, tag matches, trios matches, and then you know what he came in with uh, uh United Empire. You see, he got two United Empire matches on this thing nominated. Yep. But what they did in Chicago was just like Man, I was like, we were watching the movie theater, just yelling and jumping out our seats, and it was just like the environment. This is like the peak of like the wrestling that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, match was great. Yeah, you know, like I'm judging against, but the problem with Will Ospreay is he, this year, particularly, like you're judging against other stuff he's already done. So like, 
you know, it get people threw five stars at this. And for me, I'm like, you know, everybody has a different way they rate out of five, whatever else. But like, I'm like, I already gave a five star match with Osprey. Like, this is great. This ain't exactly Okada and, and, and Osprey in the dome, but you know, whatever. It's still an awesome match. And yeah, it was incredibly fun. Um, and like, I forgot where it went in the car placement on Forbidden Door, but like it felt like it was like how it was sequenced. Like this is the perfect place to have put it at the time. I remember uh, while watching the show, like this isn't a main event marquee thing, but like this is fun as hell. And like you'll always remember it. And then third, I'll swerve in our glory and they claimed one. This was like a lightning in a bottle kind of situation. It was like this. The It was like the scissoring stuff really getting hot. And then Swerve and Keith Lee, like, kind of set it. They set up the knee stuff earlier in the week, and then they came back to it, and they cut it off from, like, being kind of like this meme chant match to, like, being just this deadly serious, razor-sharp, like, match that they had. And it was like, I didn't necessarily see that coming because, like, they were deep in the meme match, and then they snapped their fingers with like the knee attack and everyone dropped out of that doing all the scissor stuff. And it was like, they were on the edge of their seats and it was like, this is perfect pro wrestling. Yeah. Um, lightning in a bottle. Um, like you mentioned, and it, you know, in my same way, like it reminds me of like the orange Cassidy and Osprey mantra is like, there's somebody that like, you don't expect to go off like this and then they go off. And now you just got to enjoy like the fact that your expectations were blown away. And it was super fun for a while to last. This was like the best match, tag team match that did not involve the Young Bucks in the history of this promotion. Like, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I'm willing to go on the record with that. So, two V two tags, you mean, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, unless you want to talk about like Kenny and Heyman versus the Lucha Brothers, like this is. Oh yeah, never mind that 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 clears that. I didn't even, yeah, like that, that one clears it. But that's that, what that's, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this was um, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. Like, excellent match. Like, yeah. like for the world championship. Like, this is how you want, you know, the matches to feel for your world title. For me, I feel like this should have been a pay per view match, but it wasn't. So we had to settle for seeing it for absolutely free on Turner <laughs> Network Television. Um, yeah, these these are the things like, that happen on that yeah, show. One of, the great, one of the greatest like TV matches ever. Yep. Up next, Stardom Match of the Year. <laughs> now this, uh, I I, I kind of did something absolutely insane for this. Um, I put a match on here. I saved a spot. I reserved it for a match that didn't happen at the time of the publishing of these awards. Uh, and I know that sounds insane, but. But then, get, they not, then they actually had the best match in the promotion I, that year. Maybe I was right. Let's that as I'm trying to say. So um, our matches: Julia versus Mayu Iwatani, Starlight Kid versus Azumi, Tam Nakano versus Natsupoy. Uh, in the cage match, Tam Nakano versus Julia, the Grand Prix final. Shuri versus Utami, the Red Belt match in October. Mayu Iwatani versus Kyrie, the IWGP Women's Title Finals. Saya Kabatani versus Tam Nakano and Shuri versus Julia. So, in third with 71 points, Starlight Kid versus Azumi. In second with 75 points, 
Mayu Watani versus Kyrie, the IWGP Women's Title Finals. In first place, the match that didn't even exist when this voting went out. They, were, they had to make a, a miracle comeback, and they ended up comfortably winning. Shuri versus Julia, the finals for the five-star Grand Prix. Uh, or, excuse me, uh, at the uh, Stardom Dream Queendom, not not the five-star Grand Prix. Um, Shuri versus Julia, 94 points, 66 first-place points, and shout-out to them for winning. Yeah. Um, so... Two straight match of the year for stardom from, from Shuri. Um, I'm trying to think what was 2020. Um, oh, Takumi Mayu stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, um, total matches. Actually, no, I think, I think, uh, I think that Mayu and, uh, Kagetsu match actually won 2020 because we put it, we post dated it because mm. they made the cut off. Yeah. Like that's what would have happened to this match. We would have put it on the 2024 list or, or 2023 list. Like, nah, it's fine. Yeah, um, it's, I don't know, um, I think I got it as my third favorite match of the year, Shuri versus Julia, um, just, uh, incredible, incredible bits of storytelling, um, like, it's a love letter to, like, their relationship, a love letter to Julia's journey, a love letter to Shuri's title reign, and a love letter to, like, the faction they were in together, like, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. This is a absolutely incredible match. You want to see people drop people on their shit, take <laughs> wild risks, and like just fight to the death. Like this is it. Um, you know, just a great world champion dropping the championship after a year, literally. It's like there are not many like matches that come along and it's like, yo. I'm sad to see because, like, we knew going in that Shuri was handing this shit off. But it was like, yo, I'm sad to see it go. But this other person has earned every fucking piece of this. And it's like, how long are we going to continue to hold them back? Let's not do it. Let's let's not hold them back. And let's just, you know, let's see where it's at. And they they left it all in the ring. So uh, I was going to save this for... Uh, when we talked about it, uh, but like there was a point, you know, because I'm, I'm, I was a point like when I'm sitting in the stands, and or not the stands on the floor, or whatever, and like we get to you know thirty minute time limit for stardom, and you know they announced that they're doing Yokohama Arena April twenty third, and I'm like, you know, they gave out that card, and we saw that card, like this is fishy, this does not look like this. They're trying to go out there and have their best match, like they're like they're waiting for another announcement for a bigger venue and then we find out they're doing a 17,000 seater in late April and I was thinking like once we got to like sure it was on the ropes it was like 27 minutes something like that and I was like I honestly like in my mind I was like can Shuri just fucking hold on and then they get a rematch I literally in my mind was like I hope that she can squeak out of here with just a time limit draw and then she can drop it uh, or whatever else like that's how I was I was invested in a time limit draw to do it again later at a bigger venue. That's how much I love this match. Um, no, yeah. that man stardomized. I mean, I mean, root for the draw. I mean, she was like, the, 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 it continues. It continued the story. 
you put Julia in the match in the biggest venue to, to, to win it in the crowning achievement. It breaks a curse. It breaks out the cycle of the red belt gets dropped off at dream at, you know, at the year in climax last, you know, big show at the end of the year. Like I, I saw that as like a way to, you know, do all that. They're not doing that, but like, that's how, that's how much I enjoyed the match. Like, uh, you know, but they, then they, then she breaks out another finisher. I was like, Oh, well, never mind. It's a perfect finish. This yeah. is a perfect finish. No need to save this. Like, you go through all the moves in the match and everything, and it was like this is perfect. Like she kicked out of Julia's finisher, her super finisher. She kicks out of Mike and Emeka's finishers, and and noting like the defenses that, that Shuri has had with um Emeka and Micah earlier in the year, and then she puts her away with a new move and is fucking named after Shuri. In her particular shade of red, she always wore like that's that's fucking perfect. That is storytelling. Not yelling out, we could have been a family. Get the fuck out my face. <laughs> um, so, Mayu Watani and Kairu was second. Um, this was the inaugural IWGP Women's Championship match. They got the main event at Historic X over, and they absolutely delivered. This yep. was um, a very emotional match, very like hard-hitting match, and it was just like people leaving it all in the ring and long personal history with each other. It all just felt like a really like important time. Um, you know, even though the belt wasn't necessarily like, you know, like it wasn't established or anything, but it's like mm-hmm. these two just did their thing. Yeah. Um, it's a match that like was very rewarding as a person that like never saw them all together in real time, but like, saw them on you know replay in 2018 and seeing the things they were doing in this promotion um and you know them being trios champions and you know after eo turned on on uh mayu like it was Kyrie that was in there consoling uh mayu and um to see them had that the chance to have that match in that particular stage at that up to that point the biggest match or the biggest match in my career, as far as audience and eyes and pressure and that kind of thing. And the way they went out there and did it, it was, um, it was very impressive and like, it's awesome. And while I don't, while I, I will probably place this fourth, like they had the advantage of having the new Japan, you know, uh, exposure. And like, so I get why I got the two and like, you know, if, if Shuri and Julia go out there and do their thing, this could have easily have finished second or finished number one, if not for them going out there and having, you know, a match of the year, a legitimate match of your contender. And then Azumi and Starlight Kid um, finished third with 71 points. This is a plug and play match for anyone that you just want to show what Starlight Kid and Azumi are capable of. Um, this is the first time they ever got like some type of main event or like top billing type of match. Yep. First marquee match, yeah. And it was like, uh, it was everything we wanted. This is, uh, in many ways, like, you know, the the race to the top between Starlight Kid and Izumi is a story that is bubbling on the cert, like, you know, in, in the background while, you know, the run of Shuri plays out, Julia and Tam plays out, Saya Kamatani plays out, uh, you know, Tam and Natsupoy plays out. All that stuff plays out. When all that's out the way, we're going to be left with Starlight Kid and Izumi laying the groundwork with matches like these. And then they're going to keep going forward. And by the time they're like 
25 years old or something like that. Yeah. Um, we will reach where we're going with this thing. And this shit is like going to be one of the best things to follow in pro wrestling. Starlight yeah. Kid versus Azumi in the race at the top. Yeah. So I personally think that the interesting thing between them, it, you, like when I also talked to uh, Sam, uh, Sir Sam is like, he, uh, he gets the Julia thing. He didn't quite understand it. Like the Tam domestic thing. Right. So, that's going to ha- and like the divide between Eastern between uh, domestic fans and Western fans, and like I see that already with Starlight Kid and Azumi, right? Like if you are watching Stardom on a consistent basis, you think that you know obviously Starlight Kid is the bigger star, better stage presence, charisma, blah 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 blah, storyline stuff, sure. But if I got to pick one of them two to show up on AEW and get over in night one. It is a zoomy. It ain't close. And, um, you, in like the way that you see the Western, uh, women like talk about a zoomy, they feel like she is the one when it comes to having a match with. Like, from when, um, Tegan got, uh, released, she put, she did her spoof of the Cody, um, list. Azumi was on there. And then, you know, Mercedes clearly is handpicked Azumi because if that was not uh, her doing, she's not getting that match. There, so like there is a there is something there's a it's not I won't say a disconnect that's not the appropriate word, but like it is from what you value you you get you get two different things out of them and like the part where you know one of them is twenty, the other one's about to turn twenty one or just turn twenty one, like that's that's something special to have considering like the kind of depth they have. It was like yeah, we got we got these. You see these like nuclear options we have? We just got them tucked away right here, and we'll, we'll have them. We'll get to them eventually. Eventually, like it, it's very impressive. Yeah, and it's like with Star Kid, Starlight Kid, and Azumi. As I mentioned, like there's all these stories that kind of got to play out before we get to the top level of what they're doing, mm-hmm. and. For me, just like thinking about future stories in pro wrestling that I want to see them kind of play out. Like Starlight Kid and Izumi, like and where that ends up and we find out who's better and who's the one out of them two. Yep. That ranks really high. Like <laughs> as far as like, you know, just seeing the the future of how this shit works out within five to ten years or whatever. Yeah. And it's going to, you know, regardless of. Whoever eventually wins, I I, I kind of think it's already set in stone that like Starlight Kid is going to win this from a domestic standpoint. But that's her career rival, so like there there's going to have to be a time where Zumi gets her time in this thing. Like this is going to be some like Okada and Yoshihashi type of thing, never happening. So um like it's it's going to be interesting to see how like. They handle like their their progression in their careers and where they end up in um as far as like reaching the top because like think of how think of how much enjoyment and fun has been like watching just like Shuri or sorry uh, Tam and Julia get from chasing after the white belt both of them to getting the white belt both of them to chasing after the red belt and that and that's you know a twenty eight year old and a I'm sorry a, yeah twenty eight twenty nine year old and a thirty four year old we have we have so much time. To, for this like this is a generational thing like this is going to be so right. fun like they were time. kids going at each other like right yeah so right. yeah this is going to be awesome so 
I might clip that. LeBron and Melo. You stupid. You stupid. <laughs> you stupid. You stupid. <laughs> um, up next, pay-per-view of the year. So, we have AEW New Japan's Forbidden Door, WWE Clash at the Castle, AEW Revolution, AEW Full Gear, Stardom Grand Prix Final, WrestleMania 38 Day 1, and Historic Crossover. So, second and third, only separated by three points. Uh, this is uh, this is going to be AEW's time to shine here. 96 points, third place for AEW Full Gear. And then second place with 99 points, AEW Revolution, the show James and I attended. And then first place with 242 points, 216 first place points, a show that some say came together in like the final week or so. <laughs> New Japan and AEW presents The Forbidden Door, one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Yeah. Um... I figured uh I figured they go one two. I didn't they but sweeping. Wow. Um yeah, but you know, one and two are the appropriate answers. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd have um considered voting for Clash of the Castle if it was like if they put more on it. Um but besides that, I went, you know, it was chalk. I was Forbidden Door Revolution then full gear. Um, Forbidden Door was uh, if you just remember the the cursed build, everything just leading up to the show was such a disaster. And then on that night, it was like, oh, we got all the almost like you know, like you've got AW firing all, all cylinders. You got New Japan having a chance to prove themselves in America on a huge stage. Like they, everyone came to ball and it was like this message that was being sent from the pre-show all the way up that like, you know, this, these people aren't going to out wrestle me. Like this crowd's going to know who the fuck, like, you know, is running this shit. And it just like all blended so well. And, um, I can't wait for, for Bendor too. Yeah. Um, one of great shows all the time. Um, the, Second place um, show, they were two, the two AW pay-per-views. It was Revolution and Full Gear. Uh, I got a live perspective for Revolution, and it was like from the pre-show up, it was a banner night uh, for AW. Um, and it was like, you know, I believe Swerve debuted that night. We had the Adams yeah. main event, the dog collar match, Moxley and Danielson. Um, the crazy ladder match, the sting going around the arena, six man match. There was just so much to enjoy, uh, on that show. Jericho and Kingston. Um, it was, yeah, it was just like, it was great. Uh, it felt like an all time, like AW crowd that night. It was just all up there. Um, AW full gear at the end of the year, um, return to the elite MJF's, uh, championship crowning, um, the, just like great matches up and down the show. And it was like a real, like, uh, like kind of statement after, you know, double or nothing and all out where it felt like these top heavy shows with just tons of matches on them. And then full gear righted the ship. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have voted the five star grand prix final, uh, at, at three slot, but whatever, like one and two, Revolution and um, 
Forbidden Door. Like to me, those were the three best shows I saw all year, and I feel like they were on the tier to themselves. But obviously, the exposure makes a difference. Yep. Okay, so up next we have the moment of the year. So um, up next, all right, Rich, hold on. So Lillard has sixty-one points, and there's six minutes left in the game. Wow, is he going to try to just? He might get seventy like Booker did a few years ago. All these stats are interesting right now. He might well just let it off, you know, just just, just try to shoot as many as he can. I, I, well, I feel like if he has sixty, I feel like if he has sixty-one through through <laughs> forty through, through forty-four minutes, I think he's already done that. Don't you think? <laughs> Keep firing. Keep going. Keep going in. <laughs> so we got the moment of the year. We got Ricky Starks' promo on MJF. MJF's work shoot promo in LA. John Moxley squashes CM Punk for the AEW Championship. The Elite return at full gear. Stone Cold Steve Austin unretires on the fly in the main event of WrestleMania. The Tractor at SummerSlam. Cody Jones shows his torn pectoral before Hell in a Cell. And Natsapoy joins Cosmic Angels. So, third place, MJF's work shoot promo in LA. So, um, from there, that had 84 points. Um, in second place, 125 points. The Elite returned to AEW at full gear. And number one with 164 points, 117 first place points. An electric moment. John Moxley squashes CM Punk for the AEW championship. <laughs> you will never forget where you were when that shit happened. All right, so um, I think the Cody thing is kind of getting short, uh, short run on that. But like the part where like this, you, you know, Punk gets squashed, goes number one is like okay, all right, I see what's happening here. It's it, it's all good fun and jokes, but like I, I, you know, I think quite frankly, like you know, the the MJF thing should have uh, could have won, but you know, it ended up where it ended up. Where, how do you vote for this? Let's see. I voted for John Moxley squashes CM Punk for the AEW title. The Elite returns oh, so at full in. gear, and then Cody shows the pack at Hell in a Cell. Okay. Okay. I just, you know, I'm thinking like I think of the year five years from now. Like I'm not going to remember John Moxley squashing CM Punk. I'm really not, but I will remember seeing or you know, uh, MJF doing the squash thing. Um, I mean the promo. Yeah, the promo is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Um, yeah, like, I absolutely will remember that. And, like, if I if I cared about WWE a lot, like, I would remember the Peck thing. I probably still remember the Peck thing because it was gross looking. It's nasty. I, I'll tell you this. they This was the first time they had, like, uh, undisputed championship versus undisputed. Like, they, they were unifying championships. They were booking this match at a time where everyone was wondering what the fuck was going on. Why are they doing this match now? The shock nature of it, the catharticism of CM Punk getting put down in, I believe, Moxley's hometown. Um, and then, it like, was in, it was definitely in Ohio. Yeah, it was in Cleveland, I think. Um, so he's a Cincinnati guy, but it was Cleveland. And then, like, you know, just for the couple weeks of CM Punk coming back, it was just like, nah, man, fuck this dude. And then Moxley just like squashed him in three minutes. It was like this unbelievable thing. Was and he- it popped a number. What's was up? It even three minutes? I think it was three minutes. It 
Okay. I mean, it didn't even feel like it was that long. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it was shocking in, in time. I mean, I'm just thinking of it from the perspective of, like, you know, what will resonate years from now and, like, if Punk don't ever come back, and then you think of, like, the part where he just wins it right back, it's like, uh... Put, yeah, that part does sink. That that part does kind of sink. Yeah. But yeah, that that kind of hurts for me. Like looking back at it, but it definitely was shocking at the time. Definitely. And um, like he got he got a great he got a great t shirt off of it too. A great t shirt. <laughs> like, with middle finger censored. This yeah. is mocks at the bottom. Yeah. Um, second place was the elite return to AWF full gear. Um, <laughs> from the entrance to the first couple minutes of the match to the match itself, perfect night for the elite. Yeah, four minutes left, 64 points. Jesus Christ. Um, the fuck CM Punk chance, uh, the debut of the music, uh, and, you know, AW feeling whole again almost uh, with these guys. So, in uh, third, the the work shoot in L.A., this kind of, like, grabbed the attention of the wider, the wrestling world everywhere. Um, this was... <sighs> There were, I think there were a lot of mixed feelings on this from everyone up to Dave Meltzer back to One Nation Radio where yeah. we were just like, why he, he, why are you doing something like this to where like you kind of like poison the well of like the fans? Like it, it was a lot of like dangerous stuff that was going on with this, I think. Rich. And it's never does. quite been the same. Rich. He was in a he was in one of the better feuds of the year where he ended up at the end getting squashed and we don't even remember or talk about it anymore. Right. Because he did this. Right. It was a fake job. Yep. Fake jobs. I, I think that is a uh, a concept we should explore more. Uh, because like we had a conversation, we talked about fake jobs. Billy and I Kidman knew and Jared, Billy Kidman and Hogan was a bro, fake job. And, and I know exactly what you meant. Like fake jobs, like it's it's amazing. CM Punk and John Moxley, fake job, it's a fake job. Yes, like, he was getting the win back, so that's why he was okay with getting squashed. <laughs> so we, we, I promise you, uh, one of these days we will get to more of the of the fake job thing, but. Um, yeah, like we'll go through a lot of like Scott Hall and WCW. Yeah. Jesus. Um, but MJF, like the work shoot promo, like it, it was just amazing. Like the the talking point that he became amongst AEW fans, amongst people who are not AEW fans and just thinking he was gone and all this like and he sat out an entire summer to uh, really sell it, which kind of like showed his kind of commitment to this whole thing. Came back in phenomenal condition, and um, I don't know, man. It was I. I don't know what the what the legacy of this thing's gonna be, especially like you know with his actual contract. W- however, this thing plays out, I think he already resigned personally. Um, but let's say he didn't. By the end of the year, this could become really interesting in retrospect. Um, but for me, it was just like a can of worms that I don't think was necessarily beneficial for the promotion but we're here now well i mean yeah like think of the things he's had to say and do to like get back to a hill reaction right like yeah yeah like he's just getting cheered the the whole time with like you know it was just like 
what are you doing? Like it was, it was a lot of that. So, um, yeah. And I, th- I would say ever since his results have been mixed. So yeah. it's going to, it's going to take Eddie Kingston. To, it's going to take Eddie Kingston to get him right. Cause when he beats Eddie Kingston, oh, there will be, there will be no more people cheering. They'll be furious. So up next, we've got our creative success of the year. Um, so that's six nominees. We got Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club, the Bloodline, the acclaimed tag team title run, the best of seven trios feud, the trios title tournament, and Gunther is the IC champion. Um, ooh, looks like I actually might have flubbed something here on this thing. Okay, so I will correct it in real time. So, in third place with 72 points, the Bloodline. In second place, with 92 points, the best of seven trios feud from Death Triangle in the Elite. And number one with 225 points, 186 first place points, the Acclaims Tag Team Championship run. So this one, like, I, I don't know if it was uh like uh kind of a spinoff from the scissoring and all that, but I don't know, man. You know, people were really into this. wasn't even particularly close. As you can see by the voting totals here, um, the acclaim got over big. It looks yep. like so. Like I'm yeah. not even gonna. I, I think Jazz versus BCC should have got more respect here. Uh, if you just look people, at people turn on it, like all of a sudden a, a certain number of pe- of the crowd eventually said, "We've had enough of these people, these groups of people fighting each other. We don't care if like these people haven't touched each other at all in a singles match all year." We don't want these factions feuding with each other uh, anymore. And then, it, you know, it, it, we don't care if it's four and a quarter. We don't care. And that's that's basically what this this looks at when you look at like our our um our awards, and you also look at like the Observer Awards. Yeah, just every possible combination I thought was was excellent. Whether it was the singles between Mox and Jericho, or the interplay with Danielson and uh, Garcia. Uh, Sammy getting involved with, with the mem- with the members up and down the thing, casting no league getting brought in like the 2.0, um, yeah. like just like, it's just so much of the shit worked. In the arena, blood and guts, yeah. So much of the shit worked, and it was just like, nah, just just fuck you. Like that, that, that's it, 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 it. Quite frankly, seems like once Jericho beat Kingston that last time, and then like you know. Kingston's supposed to get his back by throwing him into the barbed wire. Like people were like, "Fuck everything Jericho's done." No, except for like, and then like you know he had a great match with uh with Moxley, and then basically from there people have like, and yeah, that was great, but 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 fuck him. Look, and then he had the entire Always Championship reign where he was like pulling right. people like Bandito out of nowhere, yep. and yeah, it was. You know, just yeah. just never happened. Tomohiro Ishii yep. never happened. We blazed the chest. Yep. You know, never happened. Casanoli again. Nope, didn't happen. Didn't happen. Great um, task from swing. From the swing. Yeah. Never happened. Um, but yeah, uh, the Bloodline finished, uh, or excuse me, the best of seven trios finished second. Um, these guys just kind of speed ran this shit, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And um, I love pretty much how they set all this stuff up. Uh, There weren't a lot of promos needed. We already knew who was on each side of this. And it Mm -hmm. was like, 
super match, super match, another super match, kind of set up for like the next match. Dame has 71. Wow. Yeah. And also, like, it should be mentioned if I remember correctly, everybody took a pinfall, everybody got a pin Mm -hmm. in in, in the first six matches. And then they did a ladder match for the seventh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they booked this thing like immaculately. Like, so. Hopefully people remember it one day. But <laughs> um, and then the third was the bloodline. So um if you were talking about hot storylines in WWE stuff that's like people were really they're really championing this thing as like the greatest storyline of all time. We've all seen that stuff. I don't think it's on that level personally, but uh, the people have spoken and Let, let's do this, right? The bloodline stuff from the way people talk about it, from reasonable minds, right? From reasonable minds. Maybe Kevin Owens and Jericho after the after the Festival of Friendship. That's the last thing I can think of that was like this kind of long form storytelling of of relationships and a turn and a twist, and then ultimately get to you know the match. Like I feel like I feel like that, and it's been years. Like that was 2016 through 17 with that. Like, yeah, I see why I made the list. I thought he was missing Jericho to the list. But yeah, 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 yeah. But up next, we got our last award, the biggest internet controversy, the IWC award. Um, <laughs> there was really only one choice for this, so let's get into it. Vince McMahon resigns in disgrace. CM Punk versus the Elite. Cody leaves AEW. Sasha and Naomi walk out of WWE. FTR crying while holding three championships. MJF and everything that comes with it. Mandy Rose fired for fan site. And William Regal's AEW departure. So, in third place, with 69 points, Sasha and Naomi walk out of WWE. In second place, with 166 points, CM Punk versus the Elite. But number one with a bullet, a whopping 219 first place points for 237 overall points, Vince McMahon re- resigns in disgrace. Which sounds kind of wild because he's back now and emboldened more than ever, and women everywhere in the co- company are in danger. Um, this guy. Just through the Wall Street Journal, they kicked the door in on him. He milked TV ratings with this shit, appeared on television, and largely suffered no consequences from this. And this was just like, we thought Vince McMahon was uh, was gone, kind of. Like they can, they can change up the. All right, you remember Casino, where where the nigga would change his job title and shit. Like, yeah, I'm working food and beverage this month. <sighs> That's what Vince McMahon literally did with like a Fortune 500 company. Uh, this man decided to change the food and beverage uh, clerk essentially, while Stephanie McMahon, a woman who decided to quit and then was hastily brought back in as a CEO. Uh, Nick Khan is elevated CEO. Triple H ended up getting the Booker job. Uh, at some point, but deep in the shadows, this man still controlled everything. And he did take, you know, 
a lot. You know, we we packed them up real good on O and R. We did an emergency show, putting them in the grave. Um, and the crazy thing is, like, there were people that didn't give a fuck that he did all this. That just saw fit to change nothing. And ironically, the company ended up feeling the same way in the long run. Yeah. And like next year, we'll have to on the IWC or put up like him coming back and forcing his way back. Like, what is it about him forcing forcing issues that, that he wasn't given consent on? What is it about him doing this? It's ironic. Does he not does he not have a sense of like uh, self awareness or irony? He he doesn't see how how forcing himself in different er- areas can potentially be detrimental. This guy lives in his own world and he set it up to be able to access power or exercise power in such a fashion. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. It's really, really weird. Really weird. Really strange. I don't have anything else really to say. Like, yeah. Number two, CM Punk versus the Elite. Something that's still going on to this day. Um, huge fight in the um, the the stories that came out of this were just wild on many fronts. Um, everything that led up to this, everything that's in the fallout, were probably even more interesting than the actual tussle that went on. Yes. But um, this ha- could have long-lasting effects with who's with the promotion, who's not with the promotion. Uh, yeah. This kind of still remains to be seen on how it's all going to play out. Yeah. Especially when, like, we figure whenever, like, you know, he gets that call. when C- or Sorry, uh, Kenny Omega gets that call from Triple H. And, you know, uh, it is worth noting that, like, when the Elite uh, end up going with AEW. They did say like the the play the people that finished or the promotion that finished second was WWE. It was not New Japan. It was not Ring of Honor. It was WWE. Um, so you know, I don't I don't know how much Kenny is motivated by money, but um, there will not be a lack of it uh, offered in this particular uh, next round of uh, free agency. Yep. So. Um... With CM Punk potentially like, you know, the the injury stuff um uh going like, you know, like probably clearing up soon. There are gonna be decisions to be made. So uh we said we will continue covering that story, but that is an evolving thing. So there's just tons of nastiness set to yeah. uh play out. So uh Elite versus CM Punk and A still how many first place votes did they get? 45 points. Okay, so 45 points. So, uh, Seamus Exnova makes a great point. Dudes really voted for locker room tussle over sex crimes. Yeah. That 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 happened. Yeah. Um, I went Vince, the fight, and then Cody leaves AEW. But um, third place was Sasha and Naomi walking out of WWE. Um, <laughs> there was a Bailey interview, which was just fucking ridiculous. That came out with Era Hawani. 
Uh, we won't even get into today? everything that happened. Uh, I think it did come out today where she's saying Sasha Banks is home is WWE and all this stuff. And it was just like, oh, got to miss me with that shit. Um, the. Well, you know, she wants her to come back so she can be she can be with her best friend. You know how that is. Or, or one of her closest friends. You know how that, how that all is. All this home talk just seems like it drastically well, she did, when she, well, she said home. She didn't say WWE. Home is next to Bailey. That's what she meant. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it spits in the Look. face of how um, she left the promotion, why she left the promotion, and yes. the arrogance of the company line of WWE. Um, <laughs> between how they treated them how they were booked, how they were treated them, and then how they got buried by them on and off the air. Um, all these things are to be noted. Yep, definitely. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, the way that uh, the voters voted, that's how it went. One, two, three. So, um, that was the One Nation Radio Awards. Uh, James, overall thoughts on uh, the awards? As you mentioned, um, a lot of one-sided stuff. I feel like uh, our, our top-heavy stuff as far as winners winning by huge, comfortable margins, I think that has a lot to do with a lot of um, the weirdness with AEW with a lot of their biggest stars being in and out for injury or suspension or what have you, and like that hurting the ability to tell uh, complete storylines that, that they're able to finish off well. Um, also, some of that has to do with some of the decisions to uh, how they decide to end some things that hurt them uh, or prolong things. But, yeah, um, you know, I, I feel like the way that New Japan has came out the gate this year is so much is so much stronger and so much more familiar with the, with the New Japan that we've known um, uh, in our experience with. And, um, you know, Storm's going to continue to be great, even though I'm not exactly in love with um, them deciding to throw out this uh, uh, triangle derby to start of the year, but you know it ends, and then they're going to build towards um, Yokohama Arena, and um, you know WWE seems to have like some fun matches on set for for WrestleMania, and um, you know Cody's hot, Sami Zayn's hot, the Bloodline thing, who knows what they can keep going with it, but like. It seems like, you know, they're in a pretty good spot compared to, you know, where they were on events all the time. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm looking kind of positive for wrestling. And, like, I feel like this year was kind of weird because of the injuries with AEW stuff, but, um, and also the Vince stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like, you know, we get this sale popped off <laughs> to the Saudis. And we'll see where we go from there if it would have happened. Because, like, that could also fuck up wrestling, too. Like that's that's a sort of Damocles weighing over all of our heads too. Like if the number one promotion in the world gets sold off to the Saudis and then they fuck it up, like you know, you mention this all the time. Like Tony Khan has saved professional wrestling in America uh, because if this shit gets sold to the Saudis, who knows what the hell happens to that uh, five years from now, ten years from now, fifteen years from now? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot. Um, we should probably get to our top tens. We're we're running long as yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah. On this, yeah. um, so we can probably keep this kind of s- succinct as much as we can. Um, so I'll I'll begin. 
Um, so number 10 for me, Heyman Page versus Konosuke Takesha, uh, AW Dynamite. This just kind of got dropped out of nowhere. This was, uh, Konosuke Takesha's real breakout moment. I'd say, uh, another stellar moment in Heyman Page's, uh, title reign that I really like, uh, realize the value of him as a champion and, uh, just seeing these two guys, uh, that were, you know, that are like pretty like relatively young, just be at that top level. I think this match only went like 12 minutes to this was an incredible match, uh, incredible hot crowd. I believe this was in Houston, Texas. Go out of your way to see this. If you haven't seen it. Uh, number 10 for me, uh, Kasiko Nakajima versus Go Shizaki, uh from Yokohama Budokan on one one. Uh, this was the first Noah show that I've that I watched. Uh, as far as like watching like the 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 entirety of it, and um, you know watching the, the under or the semi semi main event with uh, Kaito Kimia and and uh, and Kino, and then seeing this, it was super impressive. And it's made me like decided to want to dip my toe into. Uh, you know, at least following Noah, even though that that turned into a headache at times with the, all the nonsense with Cass Vegeta and and you know the olds or whatever else, but yeah. uh, like Hideki Suzuki or whatever else. But um, this match happened in like this match was just brutality and just the spirit of when I you know Rich suggested I watch some of these Noah matches from like Kensei Sasaki uh, versus uh, versus. Kabashi or some of the late Masawa stuff that I saw and like it much very much fits in that spirit of like we're it's a battle of will who's going to break and if you break you lose and um yeah just just an incredible match incredibly physical violent match number nine swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed at aw all out we talked about it earlier in the show but um this was a tale of two matches this was the the rise of scissoring and and all the meme stuff that that goes with it and the the having fun and then like a deadly serious razor sharp near fall heavy psychological flashy uh war that 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 took took place between Max Caster just lifting up Keith Lee and you know just showing his strength a masterpiece by Swerve who I maintain that is the MVP of this match um Anthony Bones is selling was just like sucked the the entire crowd out of the the meme channery and um this was just like a really this is a match that snuck up on people they didn't know it would be this great and they went out there and just like you know just, just smoked it um and had the best match of the night that night. Yeah. Um Death Triangle versus the Elite match one. Um from Full Gear? Full Gear. Full. Incredible match. We've talked about it a lot in detail, their their feud, but I thought this was, uh from what I've seen of the first six, this was the best match of it. And um, you know, just uh that crowd reaction to them being in Chicago and the way they worked it after that was just like masterful. And you're not, fin- you're not about to, you know, we're all the talk of these guys don't know how to work. Newark. Oh, Newark. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, cause the second match in Chicago. Right? Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, cause I'm, I'm talking about the wrong match, but yeah, this match is incredible. Uh, all of them are incredible in any combination and, uh, they just continued it. And I thought this was the best match of it. And just to see like, to see Kenny Omega back, after so long, it was really cool. It was really cool. Um, because like we got it for 19 days and it was gone again. 
Man. <laughs> James, if you were to guess how many singles matches from Kenny Omega have happened in AEW, what number would you say off the top of your head? Uh, three with Pack, one with Danielson, uh, two with uh, two with Hangman, three with Moxley. So like somewhere around like uh, probably like less than twenty, definitely twenty six. Oh, 26. Okay, yeah. And then obviously, like I'm forgetting stuff like you know you wrestled Joey Janela and you know and Russell Allen Angels twice. I'm forgetting stuff like that. He wrestled Trent once. Yeah, yeah. We will keep an eye on this going forward. Um, number eight, FTR versus the Briscoes from Super Heart of Honor. Their first match uh, for me. I think this was their best match at. They did. Um, a lot of people like the the um, dog collar stuff. I wasn't into yeah. the second match as much, but this one here, when you talk about physicality leaping through the screen and just chops and incredible tag team work, this was one to remember. Uh, and this like set the stage for everything that came after it. Okay. Um mm, Okay, so uh Will Ospreay versus Tetsuya Naito from the semi one of the semifinals of the uh I'm gonna say it Grand Prix, the G one this year. Um this is my favorite Naito match in years. I don't think he's tried this hard in a match in years. I don't think his matches have side col- like from a psychology standpoint, worked out to this kind of storytelling perfection in years. This is a dude that targets targets the head and neck and puts you in that um that, that like leg uh neck crank thing and like to do that on Osprey after he went through the, the tournament with a bad neck and then he had it worked over against uh, I believe it was Juice earlier in the show and um or the day before actually the day before and they do that it was just it was incredible. And like, you know, he's out there, you know, looking spry. He's out here doing the top rope Rana and everything. And, you know, obviously Osprey is Osprey and they were incredible. And like, I, you know, I remember by that point in time after that, he cussed that promo saying like, I'm going to beat this fucking guy, Okada. Like, and like, I know I beat him one time, but like I had help, but I'm going to finally fucking do it. And he cut that great promo. Like it was just, it just set me on the path of saying like, yo, this dude is setting himself up to be legendary over the next, um, over the next year and change. And, like, you know, we're already off to the races with the Wrestle Kingdom match. And, like, this is more of it that we're going to see from that point forward. Is that almost like a mission statement to, like, what we get over the next uh, year? Yeah. So, I'm, I, I I love the match. Number seven, Shingo Takagi versus Will Ospreay from the G1. During the dog days of the G1, sometimes you're like, well, where is the motivation coming from to continue powering through? And in this year's G1, it took a long while for this to get going. Our buddy at Boys of Wrestling, Joe Lanza, does weekly or nightly reviews of the G1. And he has a, this um, kind of bit where he does. He claps his hands and said, get into it. And it took a lot of days for that to happen <laughs> with the G1 this year. But the match that caused that was Shingo Takagi and Wasprey. This is a five-star match to me. This was um, just 
another uh, in their chapter of great work against each other. So fast, incredible explosion, counters, reversals, finishing sequences. And it was like, yeah, I think Will got him here. And it's just like, and Shingo's just like kind of like, damn, like it just needs a little bit more to beat this guy. But um, he's younger and he's just like, you know, like this whole thing was just like a, a match that New Japan needed to really like shake the uh tree like yo this is the g fucking one and <laughs> this was it okay so osprey and ozzy open versus dev triangle um this is like the first match where you get the full on like experience of what osprey can do like at the top and of uh, his game in AEW in front of the American audience, and like uh, he's in there with Phoenix and Pack and and and, and uh, Penta, and like it was incredible to see Phoenix and him together. It was just like this is a dream match for me, and I'm seeing segments of it. And like I know he's wrestled you know Pack a number of times, but like he's never done a big stage, and I want that to happen so bad. And you know they they you know while this is all happening. Like he's, you know, he's teased like going after Pac's All Atlantic title uh, through uh, Chris Charlton, and like I was just so into the match, and like the action and thing is unbelievable, and um, yeah, I just, I just, it was one of the rare moments like watching wrestling where like as you mentioned, like to get into it, like I was fully into this and just like just re- just losing it to everything they were doing in a way where it's like. These I see these guys often. Like, I'm, there's no real tricks. They, they there's no real magic in the hat, or sorry, rabbit in the hat. They're gonna get me with these days. I watched all their. I, I know most of the moves, and it was still just mesmerizing watching them on the screen. Just um, just incredible. And Ozzy Open, and like, their their future world tag champions in any promotion, like they want to be in. What you know, New Japan is gonna happen. They show up in AEW is it, it's bound to happen. They go to WWE. I don't know, but like they're talented enough to make it happen. Um, they're just great. Number six, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros. Kind of like the uh, Rampage uh, June 3rd live Rampage in Ontario, California. So the Young Bucks backyard, eight minutes from their house. Um, and they just roll out of bed with the Lucha Brothers. And it was like, yo, it's time for us to have a really fucking great match. And both of these teams did it. Another five-star match here. And it was just like... Friday night was much going on and the crowd was fucking electric. Like you can just see waves of people in the audience just going insane for this. This was um you know the the prequel for like the, the best of seven that would come later in the year. And it was just like anytime these teams hook it up, it's some of the best shit you'll ever see of all time. And this is right on the list of like the great matches they've had, whether it was the cage match, the ladder match, the double or nothing match, this match, the best of seven, like just, just a, just a incredible, incredible match. Next match for me, Adam page versus Brian or sorry. Uh, yeah. Brian Danielson, uh, AEW World Heavyweight Title Match, uh, first Dynamite of the year. This match is like a perfect sequel um, in that it reminds you so much of the first one while you loved it, 
And then it also, from a storytelling perspective, gives you a difference. And like, it almost felt like a Rocky, it almost felt like a Rocky match where like, you know, um, the small little stories in between, right? Like, Rocky is again his nose broken in the first two fights. Well, like, the first fight in this thing, like, Hangman's just bleeding buckets. And then, like, in the second match, it's, it's, Stang's somehow bleeding buckets. And then he finally puts him away, and it was like, at a time where, like, he needed a big win, Hangman really did, um, after, like, kind of being, I don't think on purpose, but, like, feeling like Hank, like, Danielson was wrestling at such a high level that, like, he could just walk into this company and be the champion in, like, you know, less than six months in. And, like, he answered that one, and, like, then we get the rest of the run. And I was thought I was so impressed with, with Hangman, and, you know, it got to the point where, like, we were like, look, man, he's a guaranteed great wrestler, and he's only had great matches, but, like, can he get all the way over the top with someone that's not, like, in the elite? And, like, he, this one was like, yeah, like, this is now, like, I've done it with Danielson, and I'm going to do it again, and now I'm, I'm just going to rub the score worldwide. And, like, I wish he was able to spread his wings a little, mo- a little bit more over the summer, but he was great in this match and uh, great in that particular program. Number five, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Go Shiozaki, 1-1, Pearl Noah. Um, in one of the last matches, I'd say, of the <laughs> clap crowd era that was like, you know, they're wrestling almost a pure silence as far as achieving on this level. These guys use their hands and their feet as the sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Nakajima, just through the video packages, I didn't really know too much about him going into it. And I knew Goshiyazaki. I heard the name before, seen him in like some other stuff and just like watching like how these guys wrestle with each other. It made me an instant fan of the promotion. Um, And I, you know, I've watched historical stuff from pro wrestling Noah, but it was like, the way they beat the fuck out of each other was something that anyone I think can enjoy and just watch like as far as like just high level work from from pro wrestlers you don't come into this match and think they're doing necessarily like like if you're somebody that thinks oh it's just a bunch of moves or it's a bunch of I'm like oh man this is a bunch of fighting like this is a bunch of like kicking each other in the chest or chopping each other back and then uh them just having ultimate crowd control and sense of the moment. Uh, I was really impressed by this. Uh, and this was another one that was like high on my list, as you can see. Yeah. Um, number five for me, Tam Nakano versus Julia, uh, stardom, uh, five-star grand prix final. Um, this was their fifth match. And like, they've gotten to the point to where, from match, every match gets either progressively better or progressively more efficient and like more detailed in the story and like paying and like paying respect to the things they've already done with each other. Like it's very much like, like when you will watch like the Cesaro in Sami Zayn stuff from 2014 or to, or early to uh, mid 2010s. Um, and it's just amazing where they, where they have reached as wrestlers together against each other in like, while all this stuff is happening, they're still each other's best opponents. Um, and to see them like have that match 
and like basically the groundwork for like what I think is what could very well be coming, which is like the person taking the belts off her is going to be Tam. Like to see like that long entrance walk up the ramp with that second place trophy for Tam, and they stayed on her on purpose, and they they showed her getting that standing ovation. Like it it's going to be interesting to see that how when we come back next year and see like you know how all that paid off and played out and um like julia was just that night was just special just special like they had that suzuki match at at, you know in the first half of that show and then have this match you know an hour or two later like it's not necessarily the shuri from uh 2021 type of impressive but it's still damn impressive to see someone go out there and have two easily over four star matches um in one night when we talk about people doing double duty, sometimes we be like, "Can they, is it even possible for someone to have two wrestling matches? Is, is it too hard to ask? You know, somebody that's making millions of dollars to go out there and have back-to-back <laughs> matches on two nights uh, that are the two biggest matches they could do for a card. Yeah, just um, just really impressive and love the match and love their rivalry. And, like, I mean, I, I don't know where to rank it at the top of my head, but, like, it's way up there as far as, like, uh, favorite rivalries ever in pro wrestling. Number four, Julia versus Shuri, Stardom Dream, Queendom Red Belt Championship match. Uh, talked about it a lot earlier in the show. It was um, Shuri's kind of dropping the championship off after a phenomenal year and somebody that you couldn't hold back any further, but they wrestled like they were a, a, like a keenly aware of their roles in what was about to happen. Referenced their history a lot reference Shuri's own history with the championship and then like looking at Julia just kick out of everything and power through like a real warrior um through finisher after finisher after finisher and then it's like no like I done gone through too much hell I done I done fought through too many people to come up short now and um we knew it was coming at some point but um you know, this this is I said at the time this is well earned. This was like Julia just like having a bunch of real man matches in a row with the ultimate real man match like at the end uh, of this thing and you know head drops, dangerous moves and the ramp spot is ridiculous. Like I still I was fucking shocked that I'm sitting like Five, six, seven feet from it as it's happening. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Right. <laughs> Powell driver through the table, I think, or something else as well. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go out of your way to see that if you haven't seen it. Phenomenal match. Yeah. Uh, number four for me, Starlight Kid versus Zumi uh, for the ISP title back in uh, February. And we talked about this match earlier. Just, it's a match that. I thought they could always have, but they were never going to get the space in the room to do it. And then they have it. And it's better than even I imagined. Um, and I still think there's more and we'll see come uh, next weekend. But um, just uh, it, eternal foes, like the, the, I like the perfect idea of what you want out of a generational rivalry. Um, two people that, that like have that kind of chemistry, like, for those that have not watched it, like I would liken it to like, I would liken it quite frankly to like, imagine if, imagine like a woman's, a woman's barely out of their teens version of like Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. Except like, it's as good as, <laughs> it's about as good as any Eddie, Eddie and Rey match they've ever had. 
except for like the, the one freaking uh, mask match. It's um, it's uh, it's incredible, and like you know, I I, I adored the match. Number three, the Elite versus Death Triangle at full gear. Um, you know, at the time we were ready for the Elite to all come back. There was a lot of like reporting and say, hey, they're they're working backstage, they're doing all this stuff. Uh, Death Triangle had, had won the championships in their absence uh, and against the Beth Friends. I believe they may have defended it once, uh, but. Once we kind of knew it was all coming together, you know, we knew it was going to be great. Legendary entrance, legendary crowd reception, and it was like, well, now that all the pageantry is done, the the the, the showing the love and and everything like that, let's get down to it. And what happened was exactly what <laughs> these guys have built this promotion on: um, just flashy electric work. Double team spots, triple team spots, high flying, near falls, uh, incredible sequencing. And then, you know, at the end, a shock finish that was just like, I can't believe they did this. I can't like this is great. This is like something is set to happen. And then we get word that it's the start of a best of seven. It's like it couldn't have played this uh, any further. Uh, You know, they couldn't have done this any better. Like this is perfection. Uh, number three for me, Shuri versus Julia, Dream Queendom for the Red Belt. Um, <laughs> quite frankly, whether it had been Tam or Julia, it's one of the biggest reasons why I got on the fucking plane and 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 stayed my ass up or, or and doing through all the stuff like the kind of hell I went through to get to Japan. Like Christmas Day at six, I think I told you this, Rich. I had my flight got canceled to get from Tampa to Atlanta, which is my connection flight. And I had to be on hold for two hours and 30 or 40 minutes. So they could like reset my, uh, or get me the next flight, which was an hour earlier, um, to get to Atlanta so I can get to my flight to Tokyo. And, and then I get there and I, and then I see that show and I see that main event and, it was worth all of it. It was worth being on the fucking phone for two and a half hours and being <laughs> and, and spending a whole entire day traveling on a plane and, you know, getting lost a, few, a couple of times along the way in a foreign land on the other side of the fucking planet to, to see that. Uh, like, we went over the match a bunch of times, but, like, that is how much I love that match. And it's one of my favorite matches um, of the decade. Um, I know it's early decade, but like that's gonna be sticking there for a while. It might be my second favorite match, starting match ever, quite frankly. Number two, Hangman Pagers Brian Danielson uh, for the AEW Championship. Uh, I think this is the best singles match in AEW last year. This was uh, a real certifying moment for Hangman Page and his championship reign. Uh, we already knew who Brian Danielson was. Uh, from the incredible run he started with in AEW, there were um, a lot of like uh, you know times where the last couple years in WWE it was just like ultimately frustrating for me to watch him because it was like he was just never going to get his proper run, uh, never going to get like the the type of appreciation I thought he deserved. And um, in this, it was like he was just like no longer presented as this underdog and. 
it was like he was telling Hangman Page to meet him at his level, and Hangman did. And it was like, yo, like he's coming in, and he's doing business, like he's heating himself up through all these matches to to come in and actually like put somebody over. And it was like, wow, and we didn't know what we were seeing at the time. It was like somebody else was never gonna fucking do that. Um, and I thought it was awe inspiring between the previous match and then this one. And it was like, you know, I thought this was just like, this is what a world title match should be. Yeah. Yeah. Number two for me, Okada versus Osprey, uh, in the main event of, um, the one five show, um, in Tokyo dome. This match is a match that I quite frankly think that if it had a live crowd with it, people would have higher regard for it. And then they basically took the lessons they learned from this match and put it to the G1. And they're like, like you didn't want to like make our match all time great because of, of the, because there was no cheering. Fine. We'll go out there and do it. It will do it without you. Anyway, this match was incredible. You get the, uh, the sky, uh, the sky twister, off of the uh, railing and everything, um, you get the the segment of ma- of moves where he is basically hitting um, moves or Osprey is hitting moves basically on his last legs to avoid a final rainmaker that would put him away from the Styles Clash to uh, the V Trigger and, and uh, everything else. It, it was just an amazing match, and qu- I quite frankly think it's one of the more underrated great matches of the year even though it finished whatever uh match the year i just there are things that i just think like i think it's the second best match i saw all year and i think the osprey okada stuff is like as a singles match like it's just a level above everything else i saw this year and um i i just you know to see hangman and um danielson have to wrestle a, a match to quote unquote follow this you know uh hours or you know 12 hours later, whatever it was, it was like, they're going to be great. I don't think they're going to touch this match. And ultimately, they had a great match, and they still, like, didn't really do that either. I I, I was really impressed. Um, My number one match, Will Ospreay versus Kazusha Okada in the G1 Finals. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I never really saw... Will Ospreay and Kazushi Okada as rivals. Um, I feel like they're from two different generations. I feel like they have rivalries with other people that are more defining and stuff like that. And I never really saw Osprey on Okada's level. They've had matches at Wrestle Kingdom, including last year, where I just felt like Okada was still just on a presentation-wise, just like a level above him. At the G1 Finals was the first time I really felt like Will got to his level, and he was like looked at like as an equal, not a little brother, not a um, a, a junior, and I don't mean a weight-wise uh, thing to, to Okada, and it was just like knowing what we're, what he was setting up in the outset, uh, the Kenny stuff that kind of like silently ties these guys kind of together, um, and it was like in the G1 finals, we all thought it was it was Osprey's time. It was finally his time to beat Okada, and it just wasn't. It was, like, I think disheartening for a lot of us. It was like, well, what the fuck does he have to do at this point? And it was just, like, it was a great match. It was, um, you know, 
it was causing people to break the law, uh, which you can never uh, forget with the the clap crowd environment. And I t- I said Go Shizaki and um you know uh, uh, Katsuko Nakajima was one of the, one of the last matches, great matches in a cr- clap crowd environment. This is like the one that sends that shit out of here for good, and it was just like you felt like you were seeing somebody like not take a step to become a main eventer, but take it, take a step to become an all timer in this match, which that shit don't even happen every year. So, right. Um, my number one match of the year, Kazusha Okada and Will Ospreay in the G1 finals. Well, number one match for me, uh, Roman Reigns versus Logan. No, I'm not doing Bitch, you plan. It, it is the same match, Okada, Osprey, the G1 final. Um, in similar fashion to the uh, Rust Kingdom match, like, there's a point in this match, and it happens very rarely with me, where I'm watching a singles match, and like, the action is so incredible that I can, that like, I am like almost giggling with joy and I'm catching myself giggling like a fucking schoolgirl. I can't believe how incredible these two are together. And, uh, the first, in both Osprey Okada matches did that this year. This match was another level where Osprey, Osprey has Okada down and is one of the best kickouts of the year where, Os- where, uh, where, where, uh, Okada kicks out. And then you get a chance where Osprey, where he kicks out a, uh, an Okada. A rainmaker, and I'm just like, dude, I, I can't believe these guys. And I remember watching this match, and, and I don't know if I tell you my full opinions on it outside of like what it set up. But as far as quality match, I remember you saying you like you pull up the um, the cage match score, and you're like, bro, that score cannot be. This cannot be one of the greatest matches of all time without a clap crowd. Get the fuck out of here. And then you watched, and you were like, never mind. Well, never mind then. <laughs> and it was. I was like, yeah, bro, this match is out of this world. And um, yeah, it's one of the it's it's an all timer match, and um, it just adds to the legacy of both of them. Like when people talk about like who's the best of this era, like you cannot fucking like if you do not say Will Osprey and Okada in the mention of them as like the best wrestlers of like the last decade or so, whatever else. Like I don't know what you're watching. You ain't watching enough. You just not. And this is a clear example of it. Like I, I just think that. These are two of the three best guys we have, um, you know, in the last five years. And they keep proving it. They keep proving it, especially with each other. And, um, you know, next year when we do this and what will likely be, <laughs> will likely be what is number one, I'll probably say the same thing. It's like, I'm going to say Osprey and Omega are two of the three best wrestlers of the last five years. And if you, and if you disagree, then I just guess you ain't watched enough or, or whatever is going on with you. But like, they're they're just incredible, just incredible. And like those three are, oh no, uh, somebody from the uh, Nuggets slipped on a dunk and like separated his shoulder. It looks like. But anyway, um, hope it ain't Jokic. It wasn't Jokic. Uh, it was. I can't see the. I can't see who it is. But um, yeah, sorry about that. But yeah, it's um, I fucked up the clip. But whatever. <laughs> um, it it uh, there's there's incredible special and like you know. I'm just happy I get to see him. I'm just happy I get to see him. Oh, it's Thomas Bryant. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, those were the 
Rich and James's 10 favorite matches of 2022. Uh, we want to know what your matches were of 2022. If you're seeing this on YouTube, put them in the comment section. Let us know what you think uh, of our stuff. Uh, we got but, some time. We got some time. You know, find find our Twitter. Um, me and Rich, throw us in there. Tag us. Tag Motion Radio and give us your list. Yep. Like, um, you know, most years we, we end up having um our guests do it. But, you know, slipped our minds on asking them to send this stuff. Uh, but I hope they, I hope they do like they listen to this. Like, I hope they do like eventually send me, send us their top 10 list. You know, you see a lot of, a lot of us watch a lot of wrestling. Some things slip through the cracks. You know, try to be open-minded to the things that, that people that you, with opinions you respect, you know, give out and try, give it a try. Honestly, like, like one of my favorite things I got, I got out of wrestling this year was, um, was like Sam, like actually watched some of the stuff that I highly recommended on stardom. And he was like, Holy shit. Yeah, you're right, James. <laughs> like everything like you're not overhyping this shit. This is incredible. So yeah. Uh yeah, but another year of Enjoy uh, more wrestling. Uh yeah. Uh, uh another year of One Nation Radio. Uh yeah, I kinda I kinda bookend the years at the award uh you know show and stuff like that. So appreciate all the listeners uh who've helped us kinda uh you know explode more. Uh definitely seeing more activity on Twitter and like people you know bringing us up and all your different discords um that as you frequent and uh you know i I try to like run down stuff like people on reddit just recognizing us and uh which is really cool because i don't really frequent uh, reddit too much uh but yeah man just appreciate uh you know you guys listening to the show yeah definitely so besides that man we we could wrap this up another year in the books james yeah uh, can't wait to see what this top ten list is gonna look like next year. It's gonna be fun. Uh, number so, one, Will Osprey versus Kenny Omega. What do you know now? Unless they, unless they top it at Forbidden Door, which will still be Will Osprey versus Kenny Omega. <laughs> this is wild, man. But yeah, um, yeah. As far as as far as uh plugs and and all that kind of stuff, uh, in the uh, show notes in uh, show description, you will see links to Rich's news music video, uh, Dream Machine. You also see a link to his pay hip for uh, donating uh, to listen and purchase his album. And um, pick it aside up. from that, you'll have the usual stuff. Sorry. I said pick it up. <laughs> and aside from th- uh, that, you get the usual stuff. Um, if you're listening, uh, if you're watching from the stream, you know, hit the cash app, hit the PayPal. And um, also in the show notes and descriptions of, of the podcast is uh, our Red Circle uh, link to donate there. Um, and listen to other shows on the network. Besides Militia Radio, you have Keeping a Strong Style, The Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show, Gorman Watches Shit, uh, The Grave Consequences Podcast, 8-Bit Suplex, All Things Elite, Great Match Generator, Get in the Ring and Meet the Press Slam. Thanks for listening, y'all. Yo, Later. check check me out on uh, All Elite Keeks show tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be at 9 p.m. Uh, it'll be live on YouTube, so I'll be sending the link out and shit on Twitter. So check it out. Yep. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.